the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. good time over the weekend uh went up and did a little bit of uh additional work for here at the radio station for the fish 93.3 that's one of our sister stations and uh, they didn't have anybody to go up and and do the uh remote that they needed done uh that's happening up at silver dollar city and they're having what they call like a, a pumpkin glow I forget how many thousands of pumpkins they had out there. It was an, an incredibly large amount. If you go to my Facebook page, uh, you know, Dave Ellswick show on Facebook, uh, you can look at the pictures. I know Elizabeth put them up. I took a bunch of pictures while I was there. If I do say so myself, I take great photographs. hope that you'll enjoy them. There's pumpkins hanging. There's pumpkins on uh, the ledges of buildings. There's like a, 40-foot or 50-foot-tall pumpkin man. There's a huge pumpkin spider. There's a pumpkin black cat. There's a pumpkin owl. I mean, they're and they're big. I mean, they're not little. Then they have regular pumpkins, all kinds of uh, things carved into them. And, and here's what's cool about this. It, it's rated G. It, it's not spooky stuff. Even the spider. Even the spider, and I'm going to send you a picture of it, Zach, so you'll have it. Even the spider is smiling. He's got a smile on his face. No fangs, nothing like that. Just a big old smile. And the, the little kids were loving it there. They really were. And then what else is there not to love? Then they got all the rides going at night, too. So uh, you can ride all the, uh, you know, what's, what's the one called? The, the time zone or something like that. I forget. I can't think of it right now. But anyway, it's got a really high up and big drop. You're up high. You can look down over the park. And at night, that's during the day, it's okay. Overnight, though, when everything is lit up, it's very cool looking. So that's uh, that's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm going back uh, here before it gets too cold so that I can ride the roller coasters because I'm a coaster guy. You're a coaster guy, Zach? Heck, yeah, yeah. See, I don't do going spinning round and round and round and round. You spin me around and round and round and round, not a good thing for me. That will make me nauseous. So, uh, but if you go up and then go fast, you know how I like speed. Now, you know, you know. Okay. Zach knows that 
you know, I try to go as fast as those roller coasters do in my car. But here, the bottom line is I I get at it, and uh, and I like speed. There's nothing like that rush dropping and all that wind hitting you in the face. And um, I try to get up in the first three cars. And what's what's so cool about that, now there's, look, the, the front car is fun, and the last car is fun. You ever sat in the last car, Zach? you got to sit in the last car. Here's what happens when you're on in the last car. Click, 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 click as you're going up, right? Click, 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 keep going up. Click, 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 click. And you get up to the top, almost. And as you're looking up, you're seeing all the cars in front of you disappearing. <laughs> then all of a sudden, you're on the top, and it's whoop, you're over the side. And it's, oh, just it's so great. Of course, if you're in the front car, you come up, it's all that clicking, and all of a sudden, the clicking stops, and you're looking straight down, and you're on your way. Just, I love roller coasters. Just love them. And I got to get back. I've got to ride all of them. Uh, the next time that I head back to uh, Silver Dollar City, I hadn't been there in a long time, and I'll, you know, and I've been here for twenty years, and uh, I, I think that's only the third time I've been there, and I'm always taken by number one how clean it is. I mean, the only park that I know of that keeps its park as clean as Silver Dollar City is Disneyland, uh, you know, uh, or Disney World. Uh, in Orlando, they keep that place clean too. Here, they they keep it clean in Branson. It's absolutely done well. The prices are amazingly competitive, and and they don't cost you an arm and a leg. I think Linda and I had uh, we went over and we had a big old burger each. Had to be a quarter pounder each. French fries, uh, large soda, and it ran us about fourteen bucks. That's reasonable. That is very reasonable. So I, I enjoyed that. And then while I was there, picked up some kettle corn. Got to have kettle corn. Big old package of that. Uh, went to the candy shop. And uh, what was that place called? I, I know because I got a picture of it on my phone. Let me let me get that real quick and take a look. It's it like yield candy store or something like that. Uh, but uh, where is it? Got to go to my gallery. Got to take a look here. Let's see, where are they now? Here we go. Up, 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 up. There it is. Where's the picture? There it is. The Copper Kettle Candies is what it was called. Aunt June's Copper Kettle Candies. And I went in there, and first thing I asked, you got any malted milk balls? They had double dip malted milk ball. So I bought a couple packages of those. I uh, bought a couple packages of uh, chocolate peanut butter fudge. Got to have that. Linda loves that. Got some just regular double, like double fudge fudge. I mean, it's chocolate, chocolate. And uh, then I bought, and I don't know if you like this or not, Zach, but I love it. I love saltwater taffy. You like saltwater taffy? I'm big on saltwater taffy, and I bought uh, three pounds of that and brought it back with me. So, you know, I can grab a couple pieces each day. That ain't going to kill me. And uh, just had I had a great time, had a really good time. Okay, so I'm looking for the picture here of the 
big spider that I'm going to send to you, Zach. I got a picture of, I think he's 40 foot tall. Can you kind of see that over there? Yeah, he's a 40 foot pumpkin guy. Here, I can show this on on here. We can we can bring this up on Facebook. Here you go. I'll hold it up for you to show it, everybody. That's that's the big pumpkin guy. All right, there there's this whole area uh, in Silver Dollar City by the big uh, merry-go-round ring. Just absolutely beautiful the way they got it all decorated. And at about seven thirty ish, it's gotten dark enough so that it all just really looks fantastic. Here's the spider I'm going to send to you, Zach. Here you go. Looks like that. That's the big spider. And he was big. There's a big web over top of you, and there's little spiders on it made out of all of pumpkins. Fantastic. It's really fantastic. I was talking about some of the great uh, uh, things that they did about how they, um, you know, did cutting and stuff, carving. How about that? But you know, don't you wish you could be that artistic with a pumpkin? I don't know how, how they do that, but it's really amazing. Uh, one of the people I was supposed to um, be able to interview uh, wasn't able to make it over to us because he was so busy. Uh, he had done some uh, television, evidently, and people wanted to meet him and get his autograph and stuff, and he couldn't get over to the radio station. But I'm going to tell you, next time I'm there, and they're doing this, I will get him on because I don't know about you, but I find that really intriguing how these people carve pumpkins. You watch that on the Food Network? You ever watch that on the Food Channel? I watch that. Halloween and Christmas uh, are my favorite times for the Food Network, just to be able to watch it because you got guys that uh, do all of the – Cool layouts, the baking, the cakes, and like last night they were doing um, these descriptive uh, setups of, uh, I want to say cannibals, not cannibals, zombies, dating. What would a zombie date be like? And they had ones of, you know, the girl zombie offering her heart to, and I literally had somebody carved the heart. It was in the, in the hand of the cake person they made out of. And part of this has to be done with with, uh, with pumpkins. And it just amazes me. They get in there and, and, and carve a pumpkin. And depending on how deep they carve in it, the light coming through takes on kind of a different shade in their hands. It's really kind of amazing. And I kind of was hoping to be able to talk to him, but we Hey, we'd had two minutes, you know, how much can you talk about pumpkin carving in two minutes? That's why I hope to go back, uh, at Christmas time and do my show there and go four hours and talk to all the people. Uh, we talked to the the head of attractions. That was an interesting discussion with him. He says, come back at Christmas time, Dave, and you can actually walk through the park and say, Merry Christmas. And nobody will will look at you weird. And I said, oh, you get to do the Christ, you know, the Christmas uh, here. And he says, absolutely. That's part of, you know, who we are. And uh, if you didn't know, they're very much a, a Christian organization. And I, I got to tell you, they do a fantastic job. Get on the line. It's, I think, silverdollarcity.com 
It's their website. You need to go on it. And uh, don't. this goes on pretty much the rest of October. Go up there for the weekend, man. You'll have a great time and spend a whole day. During the day, they got all the crafts going on. You know, you get the blacksmiths there, candle making there, all those things that they do, uh, candy making. I just warn you now, you go in the candy making shop, hard to pull yourself away. And I don't know how long it's going to be. It's by special engagement right now, but uh, they got some uh, Canadians that came down and they do a lumberjack show with a Cirque Soleil kind of feel to it. Lots of acrobatics and stuff. They got this young lady that's with them. I don't look. I'm sitting in the back row. She looks to be about 16 to me, maybe a little younger. I don't know. But uh, they've got, you know, the the catapults that you jump on, you know, and you flip off of and all that. They put her on top of three three men. He flipped up there, and she's standing in his hands. I don't – I wouldn't do it. I don't think I could do it, number one, at my weight. I know they wouldn't let me do it, but the bottom line is – it was incredible. It's an incredible show. Make sure you see that. It's at the Opera House. Now, you want to do that. Now, here's something I'll warn you about, though. Everybody knows that Linda broke her ankle, and uh, it's been almost four weeks now. So it's healing up, but it's still a little painful for her because as, 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 as it's healing, uh, uh, the nerves are, you know, jumping and things of that nature and giving her little shocks and things. And, uh, I had to push her around most of the day in her wheelchair. I will tell you that Silver Dollar City is hilly. It's very hilly. And uh, the uh, the Opera House is at the very bottom, the very bottom Silver Dollar. Pushing her back up, I lost two and a half pounds this weekend. I did. And I'm sure I did it Saturday. As man, I was I was grossing you know, grousing out to Linda about how I was irritated because I wasn't getting to lift, and you know that I've been lifting uh, a lot. And Zach, you you'd be the first person to tell people you can tell that I've been lifting now, and I I'm pushing her up, you know, I'm I'm doing that. So all of those deadlifts I've been doing the last few weeks helped me out. Just telling you, getting all the way up to the top, back to do the show. And I was a little, I was getting a little bit concerned when it was almost three o'clock and I hadn't got back to where I had to be to do the shows, but little did I know I was only about two minutes away. So got there plenty of time. Uh, Noel Perkins was there. She did a fantastic job. The people at Silver Dollar City were amazing people. I mean, uh, the hosp- uh, hos- uh, hospitality that they did for us was really really great hope to get up there at christmas time spend four hours talking with them instead of 12 minutes uh of course we'll do it for the fish again as well i'll go do that but i had a great time you'll have a great time too remember silverdollarcity.com all right got a lot of uh of uh audio for you today and uh and we'll get into that when we get back it's all about impeachment i'm tired of talking about it already i know that you're not so I'll talk about it because you want to know the latest. So I'll give you the latest as we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're at 101.1 FM, The Answer.
Hey, Zach, what country, what country do you think has more nuclear bunkers? What country has the most nuke bunkers? In other words, you know, you go inside to protect yourself from radioactivity and whatnot. Take a, take a guess. Got to be Syria or some like, place like that. Nah, nah. I mean, the first place that I would think, just because they're the country that had two atomic bombs dropped on, I would think of Japan, right? It's not Japan. Think chocolate. If I say chocolate, what country do you think of? I'm not going to lie. I think of Sweden. Sweden? Or Switzerland. Switzerland, mm-hmm. right? They've got over 300,000 nuke bomb shelters. Switzerland. Yes. They have enough bomb shelters for every citizen. Every citizen can find a nuclear bomb shelter the you know to duck and cover at i did not know that that was my trivia question today i thought uh wow this is amazing man just telling you amazing over three hundred thousand. didn't know that all right let's see do we have time and we're getting close to we're getting close to the news we got about four minutes here so let me get to What's going on with the news here? Because there's plenty of stuff to talk to you about. I'm just telling you. Uh, Lindsey Graham on the second Ukraine whistleblower. We got time to get that in? Okay, we do. I feel the way that Senator Graham feels. Well, I heard that, wow, there's a second whistleblower. You know what I thought when I thought when I heard that over the weekend? Kavanaugh. You know, one woman came from, and then all these other women came up, and none of them, none of them had any credibility. I have the funny feeling we're going to find this out as this impeachment goes on. Here's what uh, Senator Graham had to say. Well, I'm going to tell you, viewers, I'm going to do it the way I think I need to do it. I'm not going to get ahead of Horowitz. This man is independent of politics. He was appointed by Obama. He did a good job uh, in the past. I'm going to look at his report, then I'll build out on it. I'm not out to get anybody. I'm trying to find out what happened. So I'm not going to issue subpoenas because people are frustrated. I'm going to call Horowitz before the committee. He's going to tell us about the FISA warrant application and the counterintelligence investigation, and I'll go wherever the facts take us. But I do want every Republican to be asked, would you impeach the president based on this transcript, this phone call between the president of the United States and the Ukrainian president, because if you would, I think that is just incredibly bad judgment. I want Romney to be asked that. As to having <laughs> China look into this, I think that's a bad idea. I don't trust anything coming out of China against Biden, Trump, me or you. So the bottom line is I want people to do this the right way. The right way is for Horowitz to come forward to my committee under oath and tell us what happened. And I promise you, I'll build out on it appropriately. Somebody needs mm. to look at whether or not the DNC was involved with the Ukraine. Somebody needs to look at the Bidens, whether or not they violated the law. They sure as hell looked at the Trumps. Yeah. Somebody needs to look at the Bidens. I want this to be done outside of politics. And I want Nancy Vo- uh, Pelosi to have the courage to vote on impeachment, right. not just talk about it. There you go. Right on, Lindsay. I got to tell you what. In the last year, year and a half, he's grown a pair. I mean, a big old pair. 
And uh, I love listening to Lindsey now. I mean, I I agree uh, with his going after the president about this thing about, you know, letting Syria and letting, you know, Turkey take, you know, big run against uh, ISIS and all that kind of stuff. I think that's uh, silly. I think when it's time for us to get out of Afghanistan, I've talked enough with my son and with uh, Colonel Reynolds and a whole lot of other people who have been there. Colonel Reynolds, you know, uh, good buddy of mine, made the statement to me on the air. He said, Afghanistan's like sticking your hand in a bucket of water and pulling it out and expect to see a dent. I got to tell you what, Zach, this coming weekend when we come to work uh, to do the car and truck doctors and whatnot, going to be chilly up here you know the wind always blows here because here at the uh the tower right behind the park plaza mall next to the catholic uh, high school it's the highest spot in little rock it's higher than uh, if you get on the top of this building like all up to 13th floor or whatever it's taller than the biggest buildings that are downtown and i gotta tell you what the wind blows here all the time so when it's going to be a high of only 60 degrees saturday that means overnight it's supposed to be did i see it right i thought i saw it say like 40 something degrees what's the low going to be saturday morning let's see here 40 degrees and we've got about a nine mile an hour wind or or more gusts 15 miles, it's going to freeze your bippy off. So what's going to happen? You who are, are uh, you know, like me, a baby boomer, you'll know what a bippy is, all right? But you will freeze your bippy off. Time to break out my leather coat, man. There's one thing good about leather coats, other than they keep you warm. When the wind hits them, it stops it dead. Doesn't get in there and blow over your body and make you cold. Hey, Alice Stewart, everybody remembers Alice. Alice, uh, of course, worked here in Little Rock for a long time uh, and has done a lot of different things uh, governmentally here in, in the state. Uh, was a uh, a uh, local uh, reporter, anchor, Channel 4, I do believe. But anyway, uh, she's working part-time at uh, on CNN as a conservative commentator, and uh, now she's doing some work uh, at Harvard as well. Bright woman, really uh, good conservative, and she holds on to her conservative pedigree even when she's on CNN, you know, the Communist News Network. Uh, And she was on here over the weekend, uh, and twice, one time saying there's not enough information on any kind of quid pro quo, uh, on what uh, the president did, as well as saying that Trump's Ukrainian call uh, and the comments that he made at on the South Law, Lawn about Ukraine and about China. Oh, man, I love I'm going to tell you what I love that only because I knew people like Adam Schiff and other Democrats were going to go absolutely ape guano when they heard it. They would go crazy when they when they heard him bring up China, definitely. And the president knew that they would do it as well. But Alice uh, got a couple of good uh, pieces, and we'll play these back-to-back for you. Take a listen. 
this is inappropriate. This is not something that any Republican communications advisor or political advisor would say, hey, this is a great thing to say when you're talking to the president of the Ukraine. However, there is not enough information and not enough evidence to indicate a, I don't see a quid pro quo on that transcript. I don't see a malfeasance. I don't see uh, crimes uh, befitting and necessitating an impeachment. And until that happens, Republicans are going going to withhold until they see more information. He withheld aid. What was the justification for withholding the aid? And what was the purpose of the call? And he's acknowledged that he wants this investigation to happen. And so you can put two and two together and realize that one was the other. I think it is it's safe to say that whether we're talking about what he said with regard to China on the South Lawn and in the phone call with the Ukraine, the president of Ukraine, the comments and the words he used were inappropriate. They were ill-advised. But the question is, were they impeachable? I do not think that they were. I think this is worthy of investigation. I think we need to look further. This latest whistleblower report that uh, has come to light this morning, that is worthy of further investigation. And in order to do so, let's let the House put this for a vote. Right now, what we have is a Nancy Pelosi and a squad impeachment effort. But we need to put it on the floor for the House, let them take a vote, and that way we can get not just second and third hand accounts of what happens, but first hand accounts from people who were actually on the call and have more information. That's the, the appropriate The way. speaker's going to have to call for that vote, isn't it? You know, she's not required to. And I do think we need to acknowledge that Congress no, you know is a co-equal branch of government. The president cannot dictate how they do their, their, their work. I think this is a distraction and a delay tactic. If of Congress course. says you need to give documents, give the documents. It's just not required. If they do that, they probably will do a vote right after uh, recess. But I think they want the process to be able to go forward in these committees now so that we can move forward and not let this drag into next year. Shut up. I mean, come on. You can vote. This whole thing that Pelosi is doing right now uh, is a a basic nothing burger to, to coin their own terms. Here's what it allows them to do. We can go fishing now. Let's go fishing. Let's ask for these documents and those documents and maybe some of these documents way over here and then we'll look at all of them and let's see if we got more stuff that we can trump up against uh, this president pardon the pun you know I mean that's what's going on here and if they don't find stuff like they thought they were going to get in Mueller then what they're going to do is they're going to back off again even if they don't back off even if they do impeach this president, the Republican-controlled Senate is not going to find him guilty. A president has never been found guilty under impeachment. And I agree, was it Mulvaney who was talking about uh, uh, how the Republicans were going to do in the next election and, and said something about the president winning 45 states? I think that he's pretty doggone close, to be honest with you. I think the president will win re-election and win it overwhelmingly. Why? Because people vote their pocketbooks, number one. And right now, the economy is humming along. People don't want that apple cart upset. They want it to be continually uh, out there humming along. African-American employment, best it's ever been. Hispanic employment, best it's ever been. Employment here in the country, best it's ever been. 
How far do we got to go before these uh, Democrats understand that what the president is doing is good for the country? That that's what irritates me the most. Because this guy can't get on the trans train with you, you boys and girls in the House, or he won't get uh, on to say that uh, your uteruses uh, are growing a separate life. And so there has to be some legal specifications for the, the lives that you want to kill. Come on now. It's, uh, and, and I can't wait now. I'm, uh, they're already writing the articles. So we may talk about it a little bit today when Robert gets here. I do want to talk about Chief Justice Roberts. He sent me a really good article about him that I, I think we should talk about. But let me just tell you that some of the things that are going on right now, I mean, it's just crazy uh, on the Democrat side. It really is. You want to watch something interesting, go back, go on YouTube. I don't have the time to play because it's 59 minutes long. So it's something you got to sit down. You got to give a little time to do a little background, uh, paying some attention to. Go watch Elizabeth Warren talk about what she would like to do for the country in 2008. Go watch it. Go watch it. it. It will make you think, you know, not very highly of her. You'll be thinking about why you don't want to vote for her. And then add in then all the other stuff now that she's saying. I mean, she's from Oklahoma. She should have at least one conservative bone in her body, but I don't think she does. That's, uh, I just don't think so. I know she don't have a Native American bone in her body. We know that for a fact. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, i got more stuff to play for you. I've got Ron Johnson. I've got Jim Jordan. I've got Kevin McCarthy. i got Terry Moran. Even Terry Moran says the case for impeachment hasn't been made for most Americans. Just telling you. It's a losing proposition, and the reason they haven't taken the vote yet is they don't have the goods. If you don't have the goods, you better be careful of the game that you play because you can get your butt burned real bad. All right, so Terry Moran of ABC News was on uh, over the weekend. He had a kind of an interesting uh, thing to say. Take a listen to this. Has, has the case been made for impeachment already? Well, I think not for a lot of American people. And, and that's why I think uh, I, I would say that it would be wise for Democrats to do this, because if you're going to do something this big, bring the country together behind it. Because the president's strategy right now is asking his people to suspend disbelief and their common sense uh, and not to acknowledge, not to budge an iota, not a, not a micromillimeter from its perfect call. Everything I've done is perfect and can't uh, get people, can't allow people to budge from that, because if they start asking, well, how wrong was it? and evidence comes out, then he's lost his last line of defense. And I think for the Democrats to move forward as unified as possible and as sober as possible is the best way to serve the country, whatever way it turns out. Uh, Because the other thing he's doing is he's saying, uh, trust me, don't trust them, and don't trust the media. Yeah, well, why should they trust the Democrats? They spent $25 million on Mueller, And came up with nothing. 
They thought they were going to have everything they needed to impeach Trump then and came up with an empty bag. Zip, Terry, come on. You want everybody to to uh, throw their uh, hats in the ring with the Democrats. That ain't going to happen because to throw your hats in with the Democrats is to throw in with a whole bunch of liars like Maxine Waters. Come on. Or the squad. Or even Pelosi. Let's be for, for real here. I mean, nobody in any... Uh, any part of politics is as white as the, uh, you know, virgin-driven snow. They all have bad things about them, but I'll be I'm damned, I'll tell you. I've watched the Democratic Party over the last 20 years, and it has morphed and changed into a group of people that do not believe in this country, that want to take us away from capitalism, that want to move us more and more towards socialism, even more than what they moved us in the 40s, in the 50s, and in the 60s. They continue to push us uh, to the left. They continue to want us to be Europe. I don't know, but if I want to be Europe, I'll move to frickin' Europe, all right? I'll move to France. I'll move to Sweden. I'll move over there. Oh, wait a second. They probably won't let me move over there. They control their borders. It's amazing. You know, you got to watch the Democrats. They're moving ahead, being in all deliberation. Yeah, deliberation. They already, they already know what they think they know completely. All right, so uh, Kevin McCarthy had something to say. He is the minority leader. Uh, He chimed in uh, this weekend as well, talking about the transcript of the Ukrainian president call. Here's what he said. Not at all. Nothing that he said in there is impeachable. You could even hear the Democrats admit to that. If the speaker, Nancy Pelosi, would have waited 48 hours till she had the transcript, we would never be tearing this country apart. The Democrats are just solely want to discredit democracy. They want to impeach this president, yep. so they're going to create a system that is rigged. Here you go. Play that again. He's right on. Not at all. Nothing that he said in there is impeachable. You could even hear the Democrats admit to that. If the Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, would have waited 48 hours till she had the transcript, we would never be tearing this country apart. The Democrats are just solely want to discredit democracy. They want to impeach this president, so they're going to create a system that is rigged. All right. Ron Johnson went after Chuck Todd over the weekend. We got time to get Ron in. All right. Cut number one. One, there's a key question I want answered among, I don't know, about 100 So, others. Senator, do you, do you not believe the Russians uh, interfered in the presidential elections to benefit Donald they, Trump? They, they absolutely did. They okay. absolutely did. And I don't know to what extent the Ukrainians did. I don't know to what extent DNC and Hillary Clinton campaign were involved in kind of juicing up the, the Ukrainian involvement. This is well. just ask There us, are a lot it, of unanswered questions. Chuck, I just want the truth. The American people want so do you not trust the American? Do you not trust the FBI? You don't trust the CIA? No, I, I'm just no, very confused I here. Absolutely you don't trust not. Either after Peter Strzok and Lisa Page? Okay. After, after James Comey? You believe the uh, FBI Peter, and Peter the CIA? Strzok, John Brennan? No, I don't agencies. trust any of these guys in the Obama okay. administration. I don't trust any of them. You don't trust them now. You trust them now. 
No, I, I didn't trust him back then. And you don't trust them now? I, I do not trust John Brennan. I do not trust... Do you trust, trust the CIA and FBI James now? Comey, because uh, none McC of them have come McCabe. to I don't any of the conclusions guys. you're trying to come to. I'm just curious. Do you trust them now? What, now, who are you talking about? The CIA and the FBI. I don't trust Andrew McCabe. Do you I trust don't trust Andrew McCabe. I don't trust James Comey. I don't trust Pete, Peter Strzok. I don't trust John Brennan. Uh, Senator, let me ask you this. I, I, I've got a lot of things that remain One of the things that you came on here to do... I, I, I so just want the tr truth. So no, you, 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 you set this thing up totally biased. I could never really get into the full narrative. We don't have enough time to go through all the things I can talk about. In You're terms right, of because you came here president. and chose to bring up something about Lisa, uh, no, you, you, uh, Lisa you Page and Peter Strzok. With something incredibly biased that uh, I, I would never be able to get the truth out. Senator, I, I, I don't know why you just came on here to personally attack the press and avoid answering because questions about what's happened here. Because of your setup Senator, piece. it's pretty clear um, we're only dealing with the facts that we have, not the facts no, that, that, that you that's wish where them I want to, to be. With, and I can't get the answers. And I can't get the answers. The American people can't get the answers. So, something pretty fishy happened the, during the 2016 campaign and in the transition, yeah. in the, early, the early part of the Trump presidency, and we still don't know. Robert Mueller was we do know the answers. He, he, you're, never, you're choosing, he never looked into any of that. You're choosing not to. You're, you're, you're just making a choice. Barr will. You're, you're making a choice hopefully not William to Barr believe. Will get to the of this. You're making a choice not to believe the investigations that have taken no, place. No, I'm, I'm trying to get to the truth. I want to look at the entire truth, Chuck. The, the truth, media doesn't. And the truth is only when it when it benefits when no, you believe it's politically you're totally comfortable with you. You're, I don't understand totally what truth are you I looking for. I want the complete truth. So I want the complete truth. I'm sorry that you chose I to come that. on this way, Senator. Yeah. Thanks very much. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry you came on this way, Senator. That's Senator Ron Johnson, all right, of Wisconsin. Uh, he's a Republican. I'm sorry you came on that you would actually challenge me because I believe in fairy tales. I'm just telling you. Chuck Todd has been one of the biggest pushers of a lot of this BS and shoveling it to no end. He'd be great on a farm mucking out the barns. He likes shoveling BS. He really does. Because when you go back and look at everything, it sure as hell don't point at Trump. It sure as heck points at the Clinton campaign, the dossier and all of that. Come on, Chuck. Yeah, I give... I give a gold star to Ron Johnson. And and he was talking about the hit piece before. There was a there was the thing that they ran before he came on, which was just a bunch of uh, uh, statements uh, by different people that literally was put together to say exactly that the uh, that President Trump was guilty. That's the reason it was uh, it was done. All right, got to get a break in. Uh, Rob uh, Stein, uh, Steinbach's coming up. Robert Steinbach, uh, he'll be joining us. We, he and I, will have three hours to sit and dissect more with you. Uh, if you just got here, there's some great sound that we had that you need to hear, and I'll replay it as we go through the afternoon. It is the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer.
right, Jim Jordan was on uh, television over the weekend. He's Republican uh, from uh, Ohio. He, of course, is uh, uh, a congressman. We heard uh, Congressman French Hill talk about him last week when he was here in studio because I asked uh, Congressman Hill who he thought, because I think we'll take back the House with the way that the Democrats are running things right now. But uh, we get the House back. Who who would be the the speaker? And of course, he he said uh, McCarthy probably is the number one guy because he's got that kind of mentality uh, for being able to run uh, a party and take care of things that need to be taken care of. But he also said another person that would be good would be Jim Jordan. And Jordan was on. He was talking. Uh, this weekend dealing with the quid pro quo that everybody talks about, which is not there, and then said that uh, Trump wasn't asking China to investigate the Bidens, that uh, he was uh, underscoring how wrong uh, Hunter uh, Biden uh, getting the money that he has been getting uh, was, uh, using and living off of his father's name in the political realm. And and that's what uh, was talk was going on here. Look, the president's done nothing more than bring up a lot of uh, things that a lot of us talk about. I talk about it constantly. Uh, in fact, uh, when we were up uh, at uh, Silver Dollar City, when a lot of people found out that I did news talk, they started asking me about what I thought about the um, the congressman that had to resign because of insider trading, I said, truth be known, in all honesty, uh, since uh, the government has its fingers so deeply into the healthcare system, and that's, you know, big pharma as well as the, the hospitals and Medicare and, and Medicaid and about 60% of it, all right? Uh, bottom line is this. All of them should have to resign for insider trading because they are all they are all uh, doing uh, work to make law and uh, direction on how uh, these companies are to work. So I don't see how any of them get by with saying that. They don't have any kind of insider trading going on with the stock market. How do you think it is that somebody gets elected, they go to con- uh, Congress, and they're worth, let's say, $200,000? You know, that's not hard to put together if you own a home, got a couple cars, uh, got a little bit of savings, 401K, things of that nature. You add all that together, you can come up with a couple hundred thousand dollars pretty quickly. But then they get out, uh, let's say, out of the house uh, where they've been serving, and maybe they serve, let's say, five terms. That's 10 years. And suddenly they're worth well over a couple, two, three million dollars. Hmm, how could that happen? Could it be, could it be that perhaps they know uh, about what uh you know, stock they should buy? Who's going to be making a little extra dough on the side for their company? And so you buy knowing that stock's going up. I'm just telling you. 
Dave, you know, in fact, for years and years, it was entirely legal for congressmen and senators to engage in essentially insider trading from information that they gained while being a House member or a senator. Sure, serving on committees, things of that nature. And they got secret information, and they were allowed to trade on that. There was a bill that was up that I think passed, so I think it's law, but I can't even tell you for sure that prohibits that if it passed. But I don't know. But the point is, historically, it was perfectly permissible because, of course, Congress wrote the rules. Let me name a name. Yes, sir. A Democrat. John Kerry. Well, John Kerry did a good job of marrying wealth as well. Well, you know, he did. But he married the ex-wife, or just to be clear, not ex, but the wife of a deceased senator, um, Hines. Yeah, so every Hines, time yeah. you're around John Kerry and eating a hot dog and you put ketchup on it, he smiles a yeah, little bit. Yeah, his wife makes money and he does well. Yes, That's he does. Right. That's Absolutely. right. Absolutely. But he sat on, I forget what committee it is, that, that oversees... Pharma and all of that. Yeah, yeah. And he would he would buy out the the yin yang and walked away with a lot of money to say the least out of uh, his time that he served. But you know the good news is since his he had that interaction with pharma he apparently got lots of free uh, injections in his face. Of the, <laughs> what is that stuff called, Zach? Again. What is that? The the stuff that paralyzes the yeah, face. Yeah, Botox. Botox. Man, he he, he uh, loaded up. China. I'm trying to get some there. I've got it. Trying to get a <laughs> yeah. audio clip. Yeah. I'm looking. Well, no, I'm oh. looking for what you were talking about because I heard about that law, but I don't think it passed. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try to take a look. Schweitzer wrote break. about it. You know, yeah. throw the bums out. Remember right. that book? He's he wrote a about of good that. Things. Yeah, he has. He's written a lot of. Um, he is one of the few people who's not scared of the Clintons. Yeah. Yeah. And, and surprising that he's right. still alive. But the bottom line. <laughs> The bottom line is that he is not afraid of them. Yeah. And he wrote that book about uh, the Clinton money. Right. And, and and Hillary's, oh, Donald Trump's talking to foreigners. And she was raking in money through that foundation. It was institutionalized corruption. How did they build the damn library? If it hadn't been for the Saudis, they never have a library The right whole now. thing was institutionalized corruption. And they have the audacity, therefore, thereafter to turn and... Uh, scream and rant and face melt relative to the president i'm looking here i'm look i'm gonna find this for us sure well you know when you look i i want to add something i really find it remarkable how they say well i I watch the sunday shows i always watch the sunday shows right including the conservative one thank goodness because otherwise i think my head would explode but all of the liberal media they and Jake, uh, what's a guy named Jake from, uh, from Tapper? C- Tapper, thank you. Uh, Jake Tapper has always been somewhat left. There's no question about that. But he vacillates between being somewhat legitimate a reporter and being a wingnut, a partisan. And let me tell you, this past Sunday, he fell well within the latter category. He kept saying, there is no evidence to connect wrongdoing between Joe Biden, <clears throat> what he did with that prosecutor. That, In other words, there's no evidence to support that Joe Biden sought to have that prosecutor in Ukraine fired to benefit his son. Wait, what? There's no evidence, Jake? There's no evidence, you mainstream media hacks? What do you mean no evidence? Now, 
And he said, it's completely debunked. And here's the thing, you see, says Jake, right? Here's the thing. There, other people wanted this prosecutor fired. There was other governments that wanted him fired. Is, Dave, is it impossible mm-hmm. for Joe Biden to be ill-motived and others not to be? Could not, not those two events occur simultaneously? By the way, I'm not saying that we have proven that Joe Biden acted wrongfully. No. That's why, incidentally, we have conflict of interest law in the first place. Anybody, anybody who understands conflict of interest law knows Joe Biden should not have been, as he did, openly threatening to fire the Ukrainian prosecutor when his son is working at a Ukrainian gas company. Because that's a conflict of interest. Because we are unable to determine definitively if Joe Biden was motivated to do that in concert with those other people who apparently weren't out to help Joe Biden's son, although maybe there were some, or he was ill-motived and was doing it to help his son. So don't tell me there's no evidence. That's the evidence. The coincidence of Joe Biden's son working for the company that is otherwise under investigation by the prosecutor that Joe Biden got fired. Is it enough to convict him? Well, that's up to the court of public opinion. But don't tell me there's no evidence. And moreover, what do they say about Trump? They say, well, he he was talking about aid and then he was talking about help to investigate corruption, Joe Biden, this kind of thing. So those two things are linked. But there's no statement of linkage. So they're making the very inference that they claim just a moment ago you can't make regarding Joe Biden. It's the hypocrisy. All right. Alice Stewart was on yeah. CNN over the weekend. Here's what she had to say. Cut number six for me there. This is inappropriate. This is not something that any Republican communications advisor or political advisor would say, hey, this is a great thing to say when you're talking to the president of the Ukraine. However, there is not enough information and not enough evidence to indicate a I don't see a quid pro quo on that transcript. I don't see a malfeasance. I don't see uh, crimes uh, befitting and necessitating an impeachment. And until that happens, Republicans are, going, said, Republicans are going to favor. withhold until they see more information. He withheld aid. What was the justification for withholding the aid? And what was the purpose of the call? And he's acknowledged that he wants this investigation to happen. And so you can put two and two together what, and realize what? that one was the other. Wait, wait, yeah, go ahead. You can put two and two together, but you're not allowed, Dave. You are not allowed to put two and two together regarding Joe Biden. Again. I'm not saying you can't make an inferential claim. You you need to thereafter do more generally. But either you can make an inferential claim about both Biden and Trump and then try to prove it up or neither. Not one, but not but not the other. Well, here's the key. It's like they they're they're stupid all of a sudden when you talk about withholding uh the money. The president has said, I withheld the money because of the corruption. That's why he's talking about corruption. Yeah, look, there are plenty of good reasons. Put it together here. Yeah, the irony is there's more evidence to support the notion that there is no connection with Trump than there is no connection with Biden. Now, if they want to say, well, I'm Well, Biden even admitted it. 
What that what Biden that, did not admit that, that he, he did got it. rid of that dude. Oh, that's right. And they but, got rid of him because they wanted the money. But Biden did not admit, just to be clear, that he admitted it that he got rid of the Ukrainian prosecutor to help Biden's son. But he told them that right. he was going to withhold yes. all that money oh, right. until Absolutely. that guy was gone. Absolutely. And there's so there's no question that he threatened he connected aid to get rid of this guy. The question is whether he did it for his own family's personal benefit. There was evidence to support that. Yeah. But you can say I don't think he did it. All right, say whatever you want. So That's whoever we, that was, yeah. was that, I don't know who that was that was talking on CNN. Yeah. Add up two plus two right. equals four. Right. Do it with Biden. Yeah, do you it wanna, yeah, If you want to add up, then do it with Biden and come out and say, I think there's evidence to support both. I think there's evidence to support neither. As you just pointed out, thereafter, you would do an analysis. And with Trump, we have an alternative explanation. That's all I'm saying. Yep. Now, again, look, I'm not here to tell people you got to believe what one person says, be it Trump, be it Biden. I don't care. But you can't have a different standard is my point. Then ultimately, everybody gets to decide who they believe. And here's the interesting thing about it, Dave. It's not a court, unlike what Nancy Pelosi is trying to do. You vote. You don't believe somebody, vote them out. You do believe them, vote them in. And I'll tell you this. It's lining up just like it did last time with these polls. I really don't know if Trump will win. But what I what I am confident of is that the polls today are not accurate. I agree with they you. They are not accurate. Not even close. That's right. That's it's right. not it is not close. That's right. I will tell you it's how you ask the questions in those polls. I'm just telling you. And the fact that the the media is basically so bad mouthing Trump that I think as they were last time People are afraid to answer the questions in support of Trump. So can I say that this whole impeachment effort now, as I'm watching it, I, I want to scream that this is Brett Kavanaugh part two. Well, it's the same tactic, right? See, yeah, the, that's what I'm saying. Well, I understand that. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, agreeing with you 100 percent because what the Dems are doing is they've they've got one move, right? They've got one move. And they do that move over and over again. We've talked about this, Dave, by the way, for years. What was the left's move regarding commentators? Not about politics. Racist. Wait, you said something. Racist. Homophobe. uh, Homophobe. It's all the the ists. So that's what they had been doing for years. Donald Trump got elected and basically said, hey, Hillary, you know when you ran on a platform, platform of calling American racist? That didn't work out too good, did it? How'd that work out for you? So, enough. And he put the meat hammer on that one. Now, the next move is impeachment. It started the day after he was elected. Literally. Well, we said that. The Washington Post had a headline the day he took the oath saying, and now the impeachment of Donald Trump begins. There it is. That's there it. it is. Yeah, that's it. That's now, it all. Now, tell me, doesn't that undermine the Democrats' claim? Well, this is very solemn. And 
We thought long and hard about it, and well, we thought real hard about it that we didn't bother to wait till we got the transcript and to actually read the whistleblower complaint. But because Adam Schiff's head uh, popped off uh, his shoulders the way his eyes are popping out of his head, uh, we figured we'd run with it now because we imploded on the Russia Gate, and we only got a year till the election. We got to do something. Well, as Congressman Green of Texas, the Geico caveman says. We've got to impeach him now, or he might get reelected. That's right. That's right. His words. That's right. Not mine. That's right. All right. Seriously. You yeah. got to get a break in. Yep. Uh, as we go into break, I've got four tickets for somebody, for you and members of your family, your bus buddies, or whatever, to attend the 33rd annual Friendly Chapel Fish Fry, which is coming up on Friday, October 18th, from 430 to 730. Uh you go over to the arena. What's it called? Simon's now? Simmons? The Simmons, Simmons arena? Banks arena? Yeah. You go over there. It's not Verizon anymore. No. It's the bank. It's the bank. Simmons. Yeah. Simmons Bank. Uh, so it's going to be held there. Each of these tickets is worth 15 bucks. So I got $60 worth of tickets in my hand right now. Be the third caller at 823-0965. 923 and you and three of your uh, closest friends or family can go and uh, just really put it together. All the proceeds benefiting Brother Paul's Soup Kitchen and Shelter. Get your uh, tickets by calling 501-371-0912. Uh, if you're, you know, if you don't happen to win them. All right. So all the phone lines are busy right now. Call now. You might win yourself some tickets. All right, back with you. We've got uh, about two minutes before we got to get to the news. So mm-hmm. I don't want to. I got Lindsey Graham that I want to play. That's great. too long to yeah. play right now. Yeah, and it's great. Who's our Who's our winner there, uh, Zach? His name is Princess Marshall. Princess Marshall. Yes. Prentice. Prentice. Yeah. Oh, Prentice. I, yeah. think yeah. I said Princess. Okay, Prentice, <laughs> Prentice Marshall. Who am I to question the name anymore? There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, where were they from? Did he say? No, I didn't say that. Didn't say where they were from, huh? Well, congratulations. Enjoy this. I got more tickets to give away this whole week, so we may give away four more or two more uh, before we get to the end of the show today. So a lot of people like them. Everybody knows what What's the uh, like? Brother Paul Soup Kitchen and, and Shelter is all about and what the Friendly Chapel Fish Fry is all about. That makes a lot of money. That's your biggest, biggest uh, moneymaker uh, for that. I was talking about uh, being up. I was showing, I was showing the man here, the legend. Uh, I was showing him pictures of the uh, pumpkin glow up there at Silver Dollar City, which is if if you need to go, I'm just go to it and then get ready to go for the uh, Christmas. You ever been up at Christmas time? Not to Silver Dollar City, no. Six million lights. Wow. They Remember when that new... house on Cantrell had all those lights? Yeah, what happened yeah. to Well, them? I think that guy passed away. Oh, 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 you're talking about the Osbournes. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Osborne passed away, but yeah. he gave the biggest, dumbest move, Joe Jim, when he was the, uh, the, the the mayor here, made a stupid, he wanted to give this to the city. Right. And they didn't take it. Right. He ended up giving them to, I think Disneyland got some of them. And they uh, they put them up there in Orlando or something. They could have had those lights, put them down there by the river. Well, there were people and in had Little people Rock drive through. They would have gone it. nuts. Well, I can understand on a main, main thoroughfare or whatever, but it was once you a know, year. You know, I don't even. I, 
look, I'm Jewish. I don't put up Christmas lights, and I like to see them. Meaning, you know, really, you're complaining? I mean, how Scrooge-like can you be? But this, you know, it's a bunch of pure hacks driving to and from government offices, right? Uh, instead of just saying, hey, it's nice. Dri- drive up Markham if you don't want to see the lights. All right. Here is the news. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, we got breaking news going. Let's hear what the president has to say. He's talking about moving the U.S. troops from northern Syria. Saying that when President Obama started this whole thing, as you know, it was started by President Obama. He created a natural war with Turkey and their their longtime enemy, PKK. And they're still there and they're still hating each other beyond anybody's belief. But I, uh, I have told Turkey that if they do anything outside of what we would think is humane, to use the word a second time, we talk about Hong Kong, we talk about this, uh, they could suffer the wrath of a, an extremely decimated economy. And I've done it once. I did it with Pastor Brunson. You remember the Pastor Brunson? And uh, they wouldn't give Pastor Brunson back, and they ended up giving Pastor Brunson back pretty quickly. Uh, their currency fell at record levels, and lots of other things happened. And it was good. I have a very good relationship with President Erdogan. Uh, I want to see it happen. I will tell you this, though. We defeated ISIS. And when I wanted to, when we were at 96 and 95 and 97 percent, I sort of said, let the other countries in the area finish it off. And I was met with uh, a lot of anger from some people in our country. I said, all right, I'll finish it off. And I got together with our generals. I flew to Iraq. I got together, and we did it very quickly, far quicker than any general from here told us we could do it. We had some great people over there. They did it quickly. And I said to uh, the European countries, you got to take your ISIS. You know, we have 60,000, maybe even 70,000 people. That includes families. That includes wives of fighters that were killed. We have many fighters that were killed in the battles. And we took it over 100 percent of the caliphate. I took over quickly. Nobody else was. It was a mess when I came to office. And I think most of you would agree to that. It was a real mess. I took it over. But then I said, what are we going to do with these 60 to 70,000 people that are that are being held and being guarded? And we can't release them and many fighters also. And I said, I want him to go back to Germany, to France, to different European countries from where they came. And I said to the European countries, I said to all of them, take the people back. And they said, no, 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 we don't want to do it. We don't want them back. So, well, they came from Germany or they came from France. Take them back. And they're so used to the United States being a sucker, being a fool. We're talking about billions and billions of dollars. You're talking about life. You're talking about so many things, so many elements and elements of complexity, because they're going to walk back into Germany. They're going to go back into these countries from where they came. So I said, take them back. And they said, no. And then I said, again, I'm going to give you another 30 days. Take them back. And uh, they kept saying no. Maybe they won't be saying no now. I don't know. So I told President Erdogan, uh, you got to, it's going to be your responsibility. Now, really, who's responsible? It's really Russia, it's Turkey, it's Iran, it's Iraq, and it's Syria, and anybody else in the neighborhood. Okay? We call it the neighborhood. It's not a friendly neighborhood. But these countries should do it. Now, ISIS is the sworn enemy of all these countries. 
Many of them, they hate far more than they hate us. And those countries hate them at the same level as we do. They're, they're terrible, terrible, savage killers. I said, take them back. But these countries are rich in most cases. They're powerful. They've got armies. They can do the work. But we're not bringing 50, 60, 70, or even 10,000 people to Guantanamo Bay in Cuba. We're not going to be paying them for the next 50 years or paying to take care of them for the next 50 years. So we told Europe, we did a great service to the world, and we did a great service to uh, Europe in particular, where so many of these fighters came from. We said take them back, and, you know, unfortunately, like NATO, uh, they take advantage. NATO, as you know, I got the Secretary General, uh, Stolheim, said, uh, and, and I think very loudly, Secretary General of NATO said that uh, — because of what I did, uh, they have paid over $100 billion more money toward NATO defense. But that's still not enough, okay? It's still not enough, not fair, because the United States pays far too much relative, and obviously NATO affects them more. But like NATO, like trade with the European Union, which is a very tough group to trade with, very, very tough group, almost as tough as Japan, not quite. But they're a very tough group to trade with. They take advantage. And I said, look, you take them back. We're not, we're not going to do this. We're not going to put them in Guantanamo Bay and put them all over our prisons. So uh, right now, we're at a position where uh, if Turkey does anything out of what they should be doing, we will hit them so hard in the economy. But when you talk about soldiers, we only had 50 soldiers in the area. I think the area was — it's a very small area and very small area. But we only had 50 soldiers there. I don't want them to be in a bad or compromising position. And I will tell you this. Everybody respects our country again. If we want to go in, if we have to go back for any reason, because bad things happen, but we're 7,000 miles away, these ISIS people, whatever you want to call them, these people are right there. They're right there. They're touching many of these countries that I just named. Iran, as an example, hates ISIS, and ISIS hates Iran. Iraq, you know all about that. Turkey, Syria, let them take care of it. Let them take care of it. We want to bring our troops back home. It's been many, many years. It's been decades in many cases. We want to bring our troops back home. And I got elected on that. If you go back and look at our speeches, I would say we want to bring our troops back home from these endless wars. And we're like a police force over there. We're policing. We're not fighting. We're policing. We're not a police force. We're the greatest military force ever assembled because of what I've done over the last three years with two and a half trillion dollars, Mr. Ambassador, we've spent on our military. Two and a half trillion dollars. But we're not going to be there longer. And we're going to be watching Turkey and we hope that them and all of the other countries or some of the other countries, including the European Union, goes in and does whatever they're supposed to do with these captured ISIS fighters and families. OK, the number of Republicans, including uh, including Nikki Haley and Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell, were very critical of this decision today. Mitch McConnell put out a statement saying he wished he would exercise leadership and reconsider and suggested not doing so would be reminiscent of what the Obama administration would do. Would you respond to them, sir? And also, yeah. did you, con did you sure. consult with the Joint Chiefs of Staff when you made the decision? Sure. I consulted with everybody. 
Uh, I always consult with everybody. Uh, if you remember, about eight months ago, I talked about doing this, and we kept 2,000 people there and then slowly brought them out. But once we captured ISIS, I didn't see, I don't want to stay there for the next 40 years. Not going to do anything. The end game is going to be the same. Uh, I have great respect for all of the people that you named, and they have their opinion, and a lot of people do. And I could also name many more than you just named of people that totally are supportive. You see the names coming out. People are extremely thrilled because they say it's time to bring our people back home. We're not a police force. They're policing the area. We're not a police force. Uh, the U.K. was very thrilled at this decision. As you know, they're over there. They have soldiers over there also and others. But many people agree with it very strongly. And I understand both sides of it. I fully understand both sides of it. But I campaigned on the fact that I was going to bring our, our soldiers home and bring them home as rapidly as possible. I, we, all together, you, we defeated and took over 100 percent of the ISIS caliphate. Everybody said that was going to be an impossible thing to do. I did it, and I did it quickly because we have a great military now. When I took over our military, we didn't have ammunition. I was told by a top general, maybe the top of them all, sir, I'm sorry, sir, we don't have ammunition. I said, I'll never let another president have that happen to him or her. We didn't have ammunition. Now we've captured ISIS. We've done what we've done. We had 50 soldiers in the area you're talking about. And I said, we want to bring our soldiers back home. It's been a long time. Again, we were supposed to be in there for just a tiny spot, like a 30 to 90 day period. That was many years ago. It's time. The Kurds themselves have lost thousands of fighters in That's true. And we've lost a lot of fighters, too. Their safety. Well, we're going to try. Uh, if you look at some of the Kurds, as you know, that was that's a natural enemy of of Turkey. Uh, in, you know, specifically, as I said, I mean, they have natural enemies. They've been fighting each other for, somebody said today, hundreds of years. I mean, one historian said they've been fighting for hundreds of years. We interject ourselves into wars and we interject ourselves into tribal wars and revolutions and all these things that are very, uh, they're not the kind of thing that you settle the way we'd like to see it settled. It just doesn't, uh, it just doesn't work that way. But uh, hopefully that'll all be very strong and strongly done. We're spending tremendous amounts of money. I can tell you the two countries that are most disappointed that we're leaving are China and Russia, because they love that we're bogged down and just watching and spending tremendous amounts of money instead of continuing to build our forces. We have tremendous new weapons right, we under development we got to get to a break. Have- uh, this was an impromptu time that the president had with the press, and you heard what he's talking about. He's talking about this move that he's making about removing the U.S. uh, from over in the Middle East with the the whole thing dealing with Syria and uh, allowing Turkey to take over. And uh, we'll talk about all of this when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach is my guest. Of course, he is a a legal professor over at the Bowen School of Law, UALR, and his opinions and are his opinions and his opinions alone. We'll have more of his opinion and my opinion when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Robert Steinbach is here. Let me get him back over to the microphone here. President uh, talking about what's going on as far as uh, uh, the Middle East. I look up right now. He's reiterating with the press about the Ukraine deal. 
I mean, how many times does he have to say this? Look, I was talking to him. We were talking. Uh, I asked him about looking into uh, corruption. There's been a lot of corruption in Ukraine and in the United States. I don't have any problem with that. I heard one of these. It might have been Jake Tapper again. It's remarkable how the press has these talking points. Did you see um, what's a guy from NBC with with the uh, with the you Chuck know, Todd? Chuck Todd, yeah. Oh, was it when he and Ron Johnson oh, yeah. got it? Yeah, I played it. Oh, yeah, he keeps it's, interrupting it's Ron. Right, he goes, "Well, answer my well." You know, your question is loaded. Like it's an entirely loaded. Did you question. see the lead in on it? Did you see? I the, saw the whole show. Okay, so, so yeah. you saw right. the. They did a presentation before they brought Johnson right. on, right. basically saying that Trump was uh, guilty. That's right. That's right. And then they want Johnson to ask answer all these questions, and, and that's what he kept saying. Chuck Todd gave a whole speech the day before on his weekday show how Trump is guilty. How do they, how can these people play both roles that they're journalist and they're commentator at the same time? It strikes me as inc- incredibly difficult. By the way, I'm to be clear, we have it on on Fox TV too, where you, these people play. It's it's odd to me that they kind of play these both roles. Yeah, you know. I don't well, know. it amazes me when Fox goes out, and I don't know if they're getting tired of uh, who's the black guy that is on there used to be with NPR, and they. Let yeah, him go. Uh, Juan Williams. Juan Williams. Right. Okay, I'm wondering if they're getting ready to let him go. Oh, really? And because uh, I've been seeing Donna Brazil on there. A lot. Oh, right. Why would you bring Donna Brazil on? Somebody that you know is dis- disreputable. I mean, she fed questions to one of the candidates during the uh, the debates back in mm-hmm. 2016. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. Some sins are recoverable from, some are not. Yeah, I guess. Right? I guess. I mean, I'm not a big Donna Brazil lover. I'm not a big uh, Albright lover. You know? No, I don't Those people are crazy. They're all crazy. I'd like to hear some sophisticated analysis, and it's hard to get it. Not anymore. You're not going to hear it. I I read a... I'll have to read it to you. A letter to the editor. Yeah. in, In saying... Well, I don't watch Fox and I don't watch CNN because they're one is the Democratic Party, the Republican Party. I I I listen to nonpartisan NPR, and oh, I'm like, yeah. what? Oh, they're really what? Please, what? They fired Juan Williams because he would, even though he's a liberal, because he had the temerity to appear on Fox television. It's uncr. Did anybody think that na- that uh, National Public Radio? Is unbiased. National Progressive Radio. Dude, yeah. that's run by the federal government, for God's sake. Uh, you would think, though, in doing so, that when a conservative administration takes over, that they could imbue it with They're some conservatives. They're scared of them. They're scared. Cut their funding, man. Make them survive like In my radio st- right. station has to survive. And they wouldn't survive. Well, it's the ever-growing federal government and creeping role of government doing the job of the private sector. I don't know why we well, have a government radio. It's the only radio. place if a liberal wants to hear liberal leaning news complete and I'm not talking leaning, I'm talking in in the tank for libs is NPR or PBS well, uh, either one. Well, they can go to MSNBC, they can go to CNN. There's plenty of left-leaning nonsense. Do you know why MSNBC there. started? No. It started because uh 
Murdoch started Fox. Yeah. Well, and that's how competition works. Fox wanted on in New York City. Mm-hmm. And Time Warner was trying to get in bed with CNN. They mm-hmm. were wanting to buy CNN. Mm-hmm. So they thought they were going to have CNN, so they wouldn't let Fox on Time Warner cable. Mm-hmm. So to combat needing a news uh, entity, they started MSNBC. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how MSNBC got started, yeah. is oh. to keep Fox out of that market. Right, right. Well, they didn't succeed. And now, that. well, no, and now yeah. Fox is the number one the biggest, cable yeah. news well, uh, station out there. Kind mm-hmm. of interesting. Yeah. I also didn't know Murdoch bought MySpace. Did you I know I did that? not know that. Yeah, $485 million. And that failed, right? And then, he, yeah, yeah, and he sold it for $35 million. <laughs> Not a good business right. deal. But, of course, if the, the government least. ran it, you'd be paying for that. That's the thing about the private sector that people don't realize. They say, well, why are these capitalists making all that money and, and the workers aren't making the same level of money? Because the capitalists risk capital. That's why. What's what the word means. A capitalist is one who risks his own capital. Now, PBS, look, here's how I, uh, I, uh, that's your buddy. Yeah. Michael yeah. calling you. Yeah. Michael Cutler calling, yeah. uh, calling in, not calling into the show, but calling to <laughs> calling talk me to, privately. to Robert. Uh, Robert, let me ask you a question. What yeah. do you think about what the president's trying to do over in the, the Middle East? You know, uh, here's the funny thing is people often say, Rob, you never, you never disagree with the president. And I said, first of all, it's not true. And I've given examples. But at the initial description of what was going on, I was disagreeing with it. I still probably disagree with it, but less so. Look, I historically have been relatively interventionalist in my philosophy, I guess you would call it. I'm not sure that's the right philosophy or not. But Trump, as he just said on the part that you were broadcasting, because I ran on pulling out of these wars all over the world. He's he's right about that. That's what he did run on it. He did and, run on it. And what that. I like about Trump is he uses the mantra, promises made, promises kept. So what did I think of that promise from the beginning? I've always been somewhat concerned because if we pull out, uh, I think I know that the Kurds have been the allies of the Americans and they've done good things and they need to be protected. They were butchered by the Iraqis already when George Bush, the senior, screwed it up yep. unintentionally. Uh, I think, by basically allowing the Iraqis to fly helicopters and bomb the Kurds. And so I'm sympathetic to the Kurds, and I am not sympathetic to the president of Turkey, er- Erdogan. Yeah, Erdogan. Did, did I say it right? Yeah. Um, I, I think he is a Oh, he's a, bully. a despot. Yeah, he's a despot. He's a bully. And I'm worried that he's going to kill the Kurds. So I'm concerned about this move. But the president has given him a warning about that. I understand that. that. And so the question is, how effective will that warning be? I don't know the answer. It could turn out to be perfect. But, I wouldn't, but I yeah. wouldn't challenge right. the president if he tells you leave him alone. I agree with that as a general matter. But take, for example, North Korea, where I think the president has had to do a slight, not a large, but a slight bit of linguistic uh, maneuvering when the Kim has done shot off missiles. Oh, he's and, right. been doing a lot of crazy right. stuff. Right, and Trump really. said, well, the agreement was he wouldn't shoot long-distance missiles, etc. And so uh, I'm, I think that we need, and, well, I was going to reference the fact that we didn't shoot the drone 
uh, sh- did retaliate for the drone shooting by Iran. That may have been a good decision, by the way, to be clear. But I think we have to be very careful because internationally they understand v- very little, right? If you uh, if you back off and have some nuanced approach to despots, all they see is weakness. And so that's my concern. Again, I'm not saying it's going to turn out to be bad. I don't know the answer to it. I tend to be somewhat more interventionalist. Well, after 18 years in Afghanistan, I'm ready to say time to come home. I agree with that. Time I to agree come with home. it. I, I mean, I, it's right, ridiculous that he's still be there. What the president's talking about now is Syria. Yeah, he's talking about Syria. I agree with Afghanistan. Get us out yeah. of Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh, Colonel Conrad Reynolds, a lot of you know him from Conway, uh, and he's the man behind the uh, Arkansas Military Hall of Fame. Uh, I was just talking to him yesterday because I've agreed to emcee uh, the next event coming up on November 2nd. We'll talk about that later this week. But the the bottom line is, that uh, he says, and he's been there, my son's been there, My, I think my son-in-law has been over there. I can tell you this much. He says Afghanistan is like putting your hand in a bucket of water. Yeah. And when you pull your hand out, the bucket of water is still there. That's right. That's what, you know, right. that's why he said right. nothing, nothing's going to change right. no matter how long no, we agree. stay we there. Need to, we need to effectively pull out. I don't know if that means yeah. a few hundred, whatever, but essentially pull out. As many years as we've been there 18 yeah. can you not put together an afghani fighting force right. to protect and if you can't, your own then country guess what? then you yeah. can't do it that's right all right let's get a break we got news coming your way here on the dave ellswick show So, I want to play some stuff that Lindsey Graham had to say. But before I do that, (coughs) why hasn't Nancy Pelosi taken a vote yet on impeachment? She has no intention of taking a vote. No, I agree. She she has no intention of making the Democrats in the House put up their name because they're coming up for re-election as they do every two years, right? It's the it's the shortest term for any office, federal office, and she doesn't want to put those in tough districts up to the vote. See, it's it's one thing for them to say, and on the news media, by our count, they have enough votes. Yeah, it's totally different when she calls the vote. By their count, they had enough votes for Hillary to win the presidency. I know. I understand. By their count. That's why it was so entertaining to watch uh, Stephen Colbert um, essentially cry on television. He did a special. You may not recall this, Dave. He did a special on election night when Trump was elected. And he was all giggly and doing his typical shtick. 
and clown-like behavior, and I don't mean that as an insult. The guy's a comedian, and they'd have people on, and then from time to time they'd have these two commentators from MSNBC on to talk about the the race, uh, the tally, and then it started to turn. It's almost like watching the Joker movie. It started to turn. It got really dark, and then the commentators are coming, well, the path for Hillary to win is getting more narrow, you know, mm-hmm. like, a, like a balance beam narrow, right? And And... The jokes stopped. Why did the jokes stop, Dave? Where's the humor? Where's the laughter? There's no humor right. when you lose. That's it. That's it. I'm just being honest. Oh, you're 100% right. And all of these lefties in Hollywood are completely in the tank for, uh, for the Democrats. And they claim to be, well, we're objective. We tell jokes about both. And we interview both. Nonsense. It was a it was a clown show in favor of Hillary's election, and then when she went down the drain, so did their comedy entirely. And uh, that's where you know the hypocrisy. Here's why hypocrisy. I believe that the impeachment hearing is not being an impeachment; it's an inquiry. Yeah, because an inquiry says you can go out and get as many documents as you want which allows you to do one huge fishing But that's expedition. not clear, to be honest with you. And I, and I don't know the answer, but it's not clear whether the Congress has different authority after an impeachment vote because under the previous impeachments, they took the vote and then they sought a whole bunch of records. Okay, but here's the key, though, yeah. Robert. Under the inquiry, whatever records that the committees take Right. They do not have to share them. They can hold right. them that too right. close to their vest. If it's an impeachment hearing, they must share them. I, indeed. But in addition, it's not clear that they can have access to the same level of records just during this so-called inquiry. I don't have the answer for that, but that's an open question. The Dems are posturing as if they can basically do whatever oh, they want. of course want, they are. Right? And Adam Schiff says, if you don't turn over, we're going to use that as an impeachment ground. Oh, Adam, what you're doing is threatening with impeachment? Oh, I better I better do exactly what you say because I know if I do exactly what you say, you won't impeach, right? <laughs> Wrong! You're ready, you're ready impeaching. I would do exactly the opposite of what Adam Schiff says only because nothing I that he says I believe. And for people who do not believe <clears throat> this is not a fishing expedition, let me just read the latest AP story that's come out. House Democrats leading an impeachment inquiry mm-hmm. of President Donald Trump's dealings with the Ukraine inch, uh, issued subpoenas today. To who? To who would they issue subpoenas? How about the Defense Secretary, Mark Esper? Of course, because that's obvious. the acting what? White what? House Budget Director, right. Russell Vaughn. Of course. Wait, what? Yeah. Three uh, Democratic committee chairmen. Demanded that Esper and Vault produce documents requested by the Democrats by the 15th. Yeah. The House Intelligence uh, Oversight and Foreign Affairs Committees are investigating Trump's actions, pressing the Ukraine to investigate Democratic rival Joe Biden and his son, potentially interfering in the 2020 election. Trump also withheld hundreds of millions of dollars in military assistance. Democrats say the documents are needed. To examine this, listen to this. This is about as thin as it gets. All right? I'm just being honest with everybody. Democrats say the documents are needed to examine the sequence of events 
and the reasons behind the White House's decision to withhold aid appropriated by Congress to counter Russian aggression, the aid was later released. The subpoenas come as a new whistleblower stepped forward with what the person's lawyer said was firsthand knowledge of key events. Okay, here's a key event. The president talked on the phone to the Ukrainian president. You have seen a transcript of it. That's what they talked about. So was it quid pro quo or no? It's very simple. It wasn't. So move on. It's that simple. Well, to me, it's common sense. But, of course, well, move to, on, it's Dave. all about politicizing everything move in Washington. On. Move on. What are you talking about, Dave? The Democrats want to move backwards. The Democrats want yeah, to move Yeah, we're going to redo the Russian right. investigation. We screwed up the Russian investigation because the outcome wasn't what we were promising for two years. And, and it proved. And $25 million. It, yeah, it worth. proved that there was no, what's the word, collusion with the Russians. And in fact, there was another one of these um, talking heads, I think on MSNBC, saying, well, I wrote a book and I showed collusion. And the interviewer... Maybe it was CNN, whatever. You know, you said, excuse me, the one thing that, no, it was, it was the other person, the other guest. The other guest said, excuse me, actually nobody disputes that collusion was disproven, disproven. Right. Uh, so the, the left is not concerned with the facts. They have their narrative. Although collusion, if you want to prove it, turn your attention away from President Trump, and thank God I don't have pictures of Hillary Clinton in here, but turn it towards Clinton and the Democratic well, you know, National it's, Committee. It's really remarkable. You might recall Adam Schiff during the the collusion investigation. Please, I try Could, not to think about I know it. it. It was it was it's staring you was it in plain sight uh, that the president said this and the Russians did that, like when he said, "Hey." sarcastically on open television in public when they were saying are you colluding with the russians and what happened to hillary's emails he goes well if you think the russians are, are running the show hey russians get us those emails yeah i remember right? oh that was so oh, funny well, that, that's that's collusion yeah. that's collusion what what are you cracked in the head i mean that's remarkable i'll tell you collusion. do we have the stuff on shift and the uh the phone call? Do we still have that? Oh, I love it. Do we have that? I'll, I'll, I'll let you hear collusion. Yeah, goes, oh, can you describe the compromat? All of a sudden he speaks Russian, yeah. right? We still, got, we still got that, right? We need the compromat. We do. Here you go. Yeah. Here you go. Let's, let's listen to it. Here you are. What we have seen in that call record is a president of the United States use the full weight of his office to manufacture dirt on his opponent uh, and interfere in our election. It is uh, illegal, improper, a violation of oath, a violation of uh, his duty to defend our elections and our Constitution for the president to merely ask for foreign interference. Hi. All right. I'm going to put Mr. Schiff on the phone, and then I guess are you going to transfer him to Mr. Parubi? Yes, of course. Great. Thank you. Hi, how are you? Hello, Mr. Schiff. Thank you for your time. Uh, thank you, Chairman. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak with you. I know that you work for investigation regarding Trump and Russian government. Yes. We know some important information about that. Uh, and that, uh, that uh, is documented as well in materials you want to provide to us? Yes. Could I explain you where we are? 
Yes, of course. But, you know, again, I would just caution that uh, uh, our Russian friends may be listening to the conversation, so I wouldn't share anything over the phone that you don't want them to hear. No, I don't think that it will impact on our investigation. Yes. Well, uh, please, go ahead then. In November 2013, Mr. Trump visited Moscow. He visited uh, competition Miss Universe, and there he met uh, with Russian journalist and celebrity Ksenia Sobchak. Uh, and, uh, I'm sorry, can you explain that again? While he was in Moscow in November 2013, he met with a, a journalist and... and Well, she's poor journalist, but anyway, uh, she became famous because of uh, Putin is her godfather. Okay, Putin is godfather, okay. She also known as a person who provided uh, uh, girls for escort for oligarchs, and she met with Trump and she brought him one hour Russian girl, celebrity Olga Buzova, who also known as a person with a strange reputation. Olga, and, and how do you spell her name? Olga Buzova. Buzova. Um, so yes. Olga Buzova is a uh, friend of the uh, the reporter Sovchek? Yes, she's a friend of reporter and I think the special agent of Russian Secret Service, Ksenia Sovchak. Um, that Sovchak is or Olga is? No, Sovchak is Ksenia. Okay, and so Buzova met with Trump uh, in, in uh, New York at some point after the 2013 Miss Universe. Uh, yes. Pageant. Absolutely. And she got uh, compromising materials on Trump after their uh, short relations. Okay. And, and what's the nature of the compromise? Well, there were pictures of naked Trump. Okay. You can hear him And so Putin right? was made aware... Uh, of the the availability of the compromising material? Yes, of course. Uh, Buzova shared those materials with uh, Sobchak, and Sobchak shares those materials with uh, Putin because she's a goddaughter of Putin, and Putin decided to press on Trump. Um, and, uh, and the materials that you can provide to the committee or to the FBI... Uh, would they corroborate this allegation? Sure, of course. Uh, when they were in Ukraine, we got their conversation by the phone where they discussed those uh, compromising materials. We are ready to provide it to FBI. So you, you have recordings of both Sovchak and Buseva uh, where they're discussing the compromising material on uh, Mr. Trump? Absolutely. And uh, we also know who was a mediator between Trump and Russian government, who met with uh, ex-advisor of Trump, uh, Mr. Flynn. It was the Russian singer, very famous singer, Arkady Ukupnik, who <laughs> met with Mr. Flynn on uh, Brighton Beach in Brooklyn oh, in a special so uh, Russian cafe. Sorry, that's, enough, that's enough. Anyway, that's a, there's, your, there's your guy who's worried about collusion shift, yeah, yeah. the pencil neck. Right. He's from California. In fact, we had on uh, Congressman Hill uh, last week, and he said the guy has no credibility in Congress. Really? Isn't that None. interesting? Isn't that interesting? But he's got all kinds of credibility with the press because the press are, are you know, depending on him to well, keep feeding like, them the crap. That did you notice that the press, they threw Scaramucci uh, uh, through the ringer when he was a Trump supporter. By the way, I didn't like him then, and I said so on Not your show. Not anymore. Everything now, he says is gospel. It's golden. 
That's right. Well, you know, Scaramucci said that Trump is unhinged, so he's got to be unhinged. Yeah, because Scaramucci is so reliable. I said it when <laughs> he was a Trump supporter that I wasn't a fan. I made that clear early on because he's he's not credible sounding. He sounds he sounds like he's making up virtually everything he says on the spot. You know, now the lefties say that about Trump, and don't get me wrong, Trump's a salesman. So when they say, well, he said this, of everything he says, you know, this is the best or this is the worst. He uses the biggest superlatives because he's a salesman. Literally, he sold commercial real estate, built and then sold. Don't work if you build and don't sell. Uh, and so that's how he speaks. But Scaramucci doesn't do it well. He sounds like a con man. He sounds like a He flim-flim. looks like a con man. He looks like a used car salesman. Pardon me. Uh, then I would say that to you who are, you know, used, used car salesmen. It's an insult. That's an insult to used car yeah, salesmen. It, it really is. There you go. It, it truly, it truly is. But anyway, yeah, it's, look, we got to get a break, don't we? Okay, let's get let's the break. And when we come back, I want to play Lindsey Graham for you. Yeah. Then I want to talk about this article you sent me about John Roberts. I want to mm-hmm. talk about that. Did you see that uh, Clarence Thomas evidently didn't make it today uh, to the first day of this, the Supreme Court's uh, session? He's under the weather, evidently. He's ill. Mm. Uh, nobody's saying what. So we'll want to find out about that. Got more coming your way, and, ju- and we'll talk about what's coming up on the Supreme Court because there's a lot of important uh, cases they're going to hear during uh, this upcoming uh, session. A break here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so what does Senator Lindsey Graham have to say about the latest impeachment stuff that's going on, the, the new uh, I honestly was there and saw it and heard it kind of person. You know, the new whistleblower that's out there. Here's right, what right. Uh, the senator had to say. Well, I'm going to tell you, viewers, I'm going to do it the way I think I need to do it. I'm not going to get ahead of Horowitz. This man is independent of politics. He was appointed by Obama. He did a good job uh, in the past. I'm going to look at his report, then I'll build out on it. I'm not out to get anybody. I'm trying to find out what happened. So I'm not going to issue subpoenas because people are frustrated. I'm going to call Horowitz before the committee. He's going to tell us about the FISA warrant application and the counterintelligence investigation, and I'll go wherever the facts take us. But I do want every Republican to be asked, would you impeach the president based on this transcript, this phone call between the president of the United States and the Ukrainian president, because if you would, I think that is just incredibly bad judgment. I want Romney to be asked that. As to having China look into this, I think that's a bad idea. I don't trust anything coming out of China against Biden, Trump, me or you. So the bottom line is I want people to do this the right way. The right way is for Horowitz to come forward to my committee under oath and tell us what happened. And I promise you, I'll build out on it appropriately. Somebody needs Mm. to look at whether or not the DNC was involved with the Ukraine. Somebody needs to look at the Bidens, whether or not they violated the law. They sure as hell looked at the Trumps. Somebody needs to look at the Bidens. I want this to be done outside of politics. And I want Nancy uh, Pelosi to have the courage to vote on impeachment, not just talk about it. All right. There you go. You got to like Lindsey now. He's right on the money. It's not complicated. And Lindsey calls it the way he sees it, and he sees it almost invariably the right way. Well, he's smelling BS is what he's doing. He's smelling. Here's why. And and this is a story that came out back in September. Uh, 
and Justice Department Inspector General Michael Horowitz, that's who he's talking about, has officially completed his investigation into alleged foreign intelligence surveillance act abuses by the Justice Department and the FBI. Representative Doug Collins, the top Republican on the House Judiciary Committee, revealed in the letter Thursday Horowitz notified uh, Attorney General William Barr of the completion of his investigation earlier in the day. Horowitz said in a letter to congressional leaders that his team is in the process of finalizing our report by providing a draft of our factual findings to the department and FBI for classification determination and marking. So how long does that take? Yeah. It said it was, this came out on the 19th of September, which seemed to me a, a month is plenty of time. Here's the thing about government, Dave. And when that pops, right. it's going to be very interesting. Well, that's it. What's the name of that crackpot former CIA director is all over? Brennan. Yeah, Brennan. That Brennan is running like a dog in thunder with his tail tucked between his legs from every left from every leftist news outlet to the next because he knows he smells it already. He can see the shark fin in the water coming for him. So good luck to him. This IG report is not going to be favorable for these lefties that manipulated government for their own personal benefits. So as to ensure like, by the way, like, what was her name? Paige wrote to stroke something. Yeah. So I'm like, what are we going to do if Trump gets elected? Don't worry, we have an insurance policy. And they said, oh, well, that didn't mean anything. I was just spouting off. Again, that could be true, Dave. But why is that coincidence of events, uh, as Jake Tapper says about Joe Biden? Well, there's no evidence to support a connection. But when there's a coincidence of events relating to Trump, it proves You should it. be looking at it a connection. It proves the connection, That's according right. to them. All right, a break. We're back with more here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so you got to hear now, Lindsey Graham. What do you think about what he said? As we talked, Dave, Lindsey's right on the money. And unfortunately, I feel like we're kind of, not you and I, but the media is going round and round on this thing because the leftist media keeps making these flagrantly false claims that they've proven wrongdoing by the president. That's just nonsense. It's pure partisanship. Maybe they're seeing that the Democrats' chance to win the presidency is not as bright as they had thought. Well, even Woodward. All right. right. Now, Woodward, let's go back to Nixon. All That's right? right. That's right. He's the guy with Bernstein, and they came, you know, they identified Deep Throat. They came up with the cover up, and then the cover up made a, a bigger deal than the break-in the, the, the break and, right. and whatnot. So anyway, and Nixon resigned. Right. He even says, there's very little water here to right. be pushing an impeachment. It's almost odd. We alluded to this earlier in the show, Dave. It's almost odd how the Democrats so quickly jumped on this. And when there's, it's so thin. And I wonder it's because, whether it's because Schiff told Pelosi behind the scenes, I've spoken to this guy, and this is, this is a winner, only to be disproven when Trump said, release the call log, fine by me, take a look at it. Yeah. And, and the case kind of collapsed. This, of course, occurs at the same time that Joe Biden, 
who has been weak now for months, right, with his his hair sniffing and his face grabbing uh, and other odd and I behavior. scream. Right, that's, exactly. That's, this is shift. Yeah. That's what he does. That's right. Uh, so uh, Biden has been collapsing as the nominee. On the flip side, Bernie just had a heart attack. and He's done. I think he's done. Meaning I don't. I mean, I don't think he's going to die. I'm no, just saying no, no, no. his As health a becomes a question now. And it becomes a big one, right? He He's the one that looks the oldest to begin with. And he's, I, I can't see how people are, aren't going to say, particularly that the Dems are the ones who are trying to sort of elect the next generation, they would claim, right? So he, his illness, and I feel sorry for him. It's not. It's not pleasant. It's not a good thing, obviously, that happened to him. But I think that's going to have a dramatic effect. And so I think what's left, it's going to be Elizabeth Warren. And Elizabeth Warren, she's got a whole host of problems among them that her candidacy resembles very much Hillary Clinton's. Now, not because she's a woman, although that's a factor, right? There's there's a similarity there. But if you had an Amy Klobuchar, I think few people would be comparing those candidates. They're just so dramatically different. And as I've said to you, I don't support Amy Klobuchar because I don't support any of the Dems. Sure. But if I had to choose one of the Dems, she would be the one that I would choose. Uh, and I think she has a moderating voice and a moderating approach. I like her uh, of the Democrats, right? right? And the exactly. one, the, was it Gabbard or whatever yeah, her name? Uh, Tulsi? Tulsi Gabbard, right. I like her. Right. So I... Uh, I think that Warren is going to win the nomination and she's is going to have a persona similar to, not identical, she's smarter than Hillary, but similar to Hillary, and I think she's going to turn off a lot of people. And so I think there's, again, I, it's too early for me to predict who's going to win the presidency. I'm confident the polls right now are not accurate, but I don't know. I don't know. It's not like I have some... Uh, silver, uh, what a crystal ball that I can see the future with. Uh, I got I, one, but mine don't work. Exactly. Uh, I've got the magic eight ball. Uh, I can, uh, as you know, I was a strong supporter of the president at the last election on your show, Dave. And of course, I've do, been doing the same here. So everybody knows where I stand. Uh, but just because I stand there doesn't mean I'm going to be able to predict, at least at this point, the outcome. I, I always wonder when you see sort of partisan, well, we know we're going to win. I think the idea is because they want to encourage people on the fence to come out and vote because people, it's, it seems to be, it has been suggested that people like to vote for the winner. I voted for the winner. See how smart I am? I don't know. I'll... I voted for the loser when I voted for McCain over Obama, and I certainly had no intention uh, of going back and redoing that vote, and I was fairly confident that Obama would win. Yeah. So, no, I'm not proud of voting for a winner or a loser. I'm uh, proud, and loser, by the way, is not a pejorative, it's a person who lost, right? But what I am proud of doing is voting for a candidate that I think will do the right thing for the people of the United States. And so I thought that, uh, I know that Trump is doing that. I thought that McCain would do that. And it doesn't mean that I agree with all their policies on all the issues, as we just discussed regarding Syria. Okay. I want you to listen to this article yeah. that The Hill wrote. Right. Supposedly, mm -hmm. a non-political 
website. Yes, they not. report on everything that yeah. happens in, con- no. in on the congressional it, side. It's not. I've worked on the Hill, and I know the Hill, okay. and it's not nonpartisan. Okay. They do have one conservative guy over there. He he appears on Tucker. No, his name. okay. So yeah. here here's here's listen to this because yeah, I can't wait. if you don't watch, wait for it, and know what these people are doing, it it'll buy it'll blow yeah. past you. Yeah, okay. Wait for it. Woodward, who recently authored a book detailing Trump's first few years in the White House, questioned whether Trump's call with Zelensky, in which Trump pressured the foreign leader to investigate yeah, pressure, for, pressured, <laughs> yeah, that, would be considered words. a high crime. Isn't it there, great? There's no, no, there's no subjectivity in that. In no, the use there of the is word, not. Right? Didn't ask, right? Because we read the transcript. He says, "Will you do me a favor?" Yeah. Right, we, he didn't we pressure use anybody. Could you imagine if you went up to a, a, a woman in a bar, Dave, and said, uh, and as I mentioned last time I was on your show when I used this analogy, and it's still permissible, barely so, for, for a heterosexual relationship. So you're still allowed to go up to a woman, apparently, but we'll, we'll let you know when that changes. But if you went up to a woman in a bar and said, may I buy you a drink? You yes. might say can because your grammar's not always great. Right? Yes. But uh, <laughs> yes. Can but I buy you a drink? Can I buy you a drink? Well, you pressured her, Dave. Wait, yeah. what? Wait, what? Because there apparently is no distinction. Either there's no distinction between requesting and pressure, or they've made a normative value judgment. And Dave, yeah, you are a talk show host. Oh, there it is. So you have the pressure of that's being right. a you know well listened to talk oh, show host. Oh, that's so right. It's an unfair balance. Her. That's right. Because that's what they say. Just yeah, because he right. says, "Can you do me a favor?" Well, he's the president. Right. If the president says, "Can you do me a favor?" You got to do the favor because he's the president. Yeah, yeah. But that's bullcrap. Yeah, has has. If no, that's the case, then you know we would never have any worries about any of these countries. Or, or again, <laughs> by saying. analogy, what about interpersonal relationships? That means any time someone at a comp, a senior person asked out a junior person, not even as you get this, an older person asked out a younger person. Well, there it is. Right, so that's the the irony. You got all of that all, experience all behind that experience. you, right? So that apparently the younger person can't You're say no. You're taking advantage of her, it, but, and they can't him. say no, right? Or him, exactly. But apparent, but in reality, people say no all the time. You better right? believe it, right? So, Before I got married, I can I can guarantee you, it was more no's than it more was no's yeses. Than yes. <laughs> it because was. because Dave used the correct formula, and and it's um, the formula that if. Uh, you know, you, you shoot like a shotgun. It just takes one pellet to bring down the duck. That's, I, right? <laughs> I, look, well, everything is statistically proven that if you bring yourself before enough people and ask the same question, somebody will give you the answer that you want. That's right. You just got to keep plugging away. That's right. That's the way it works. That's By right. the way, here's what Woodward said. Yeah. He said, they asked him if he thought this rose to... Uh, high crimes and misdemeanors. Right. And what did he say? And did it warrant? He says, you know, talk to some of the Republican senators. They're really sticking by Trump. Mm-hmm. I think the big question is, are the Democrats going to broaden this investigation? Right. We're seeing they're trying to do that. They're That's fishing right. out they're there. They're fishing, baby. Because having done this for too many decades, there is always more that you can go for. He added that Democrats need to be careful about how they let the impeachment proceedings play out and the speed at which they take place. Yeah. 
words of wisdom from somebody who has some words of wisdom seriously. Well, someone who's but you shouldn't have said that before. Woodward because they're going to say, well, but you're you're a Woodward man. You wrote a big book and and uh, who played him in the movie? Was oh, it Robert uh, Redford? Was it Redford that played yeah. him? Oh yeah. Robert well, that's Redford. not as much as a stretch of Redford had played Bernstein. Yeah. <laughs> Although Bernstein is, um, uh, you know, Who, by the way, is still kind of a hero to me. Yeah. Even yeah. though he's a lib as far as they uh, come. Well, they both are, right? Yeah. Yeah. Woodward, not as much as Bernstein. You think though. so? Oh, my God. Yeah, okay. okay. I, I got a chance to talk to Carl at the last uh, Republican convention. Yeah. <sighs> wow. Really? But I, I went up to him. I just said, I just wanted to let him know that I went into journalism because of him. Mm-hmm. You really? know, because they followed, they followed the money. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. followed the money. That's you know, that's where that came from, by the way. Follow the money. That's what Deep Throat told me. Mm-hmm. All right, we got to take a break. We got a quarter till when we come back. So is Chief Justice John Roberts, is he a conservative partisan? We'll talk about it next on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so let's hold John Roberts the next hour. Okay. Because we'll need some time. Okay. All right, talk about that. Yeah. Let's talk about, you want to hear the president threaten somebody? Do you think that what he did with the the president from Ukraine was a threat? When he pressured him? Hey, do me a favor. when he pressured him? How about... Do me a favor. Yeah, do right. me a favor. Uh, Trump today told uh, Erdogan, 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 I think, of uh, Turkey, if they do anything off limits, we will totally destroy and obliterate your country's econo- economy. Mm-hmm. Now that is a threat. Mm-hmm. All right, that is a threat. You're going to impeach him about it now? Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Impeach him. Now's the time. Get him now while you can. He's on record. Add it to the list. Yeah, absolutely. As I have stated strongly before, and just to reiterate, if Turkey does anything, uh, in my great and unmatched wisdom, <laughs> consider <laughs> what I told just you, like, the guy's a, like a New Yorker, he's a buddy, salesman. Consider to be off limits. I will totally destroy and obliterate the economy of Turkey. Trump tweeted out. By the way, I listen to Trump and I hear my my old little brother from fraternity right. who was from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know Cherry Hill. I mean, he just, <laughs> yeah. he'd make statements like oh, exactly. that. Exactly. Well, that's why And people, I just think East Coasters do that. Absolutely. They? There's a lot to that, by the way. And that's why, you know, I've been in places uh, in the South where people don't, um, let's put it this way. Liberals who claim to be tolerant are not tolerant of Northeasterners. Especially if they say, yeah. bless your heart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with the South, basically, uh, but it's been in the South. It's the liberals. They're the mm-hmm. ones that walk around claiming tolerance. But when I say things that are uh, New Yorker conservative. Oh, Lord. Oh, boy. Get a rope. Oh, boy. Remember that ad campaign? I don't remember that one. About, no. uh, what was that, Pace uh, Salsa? Oh, Get a Rope? Where, yeah, where are oh. you from, New Jersey? Right. New Jersey? Oh, right. Get a right. rope. Right. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, uh, I think, you know, in academia, for example, 
uh, right, in colleges and other higher education, I think that most academics in academia would not hire or fire somebody simply for voting for Trump. When somebody looks at you and and are talking to you, and you tell them you're a, a law professor, and say, "Well, where right. are you from?" Right. Well, I'm from New York. Right. Right. Do they immediately think that you're a a flaming lib? Yeah. They uh, well, I mean, they <laughs> they think I'm a liberal because if I tell them I'm in academia. It, there is outward, direct, and transparent discrimination in academia across this country. And so the odds of being a conservative in academia are overwhelmingly low. Not impossible, obviously, but overwhelmingly low. And so, yeah, they are often surprised. Not always, but often surprised. And I, listen, I've been – I worked in D.C., as you know. I went to a party of a friend once, uh, and she's a lefty, and there were a bunch of lefties at her party – and somebody made some comment. I think it was, it was about something with Iraq. And I made some relatively conservative statement about it. And she turned to our mutual friend, the host of the party, and said, oh, he's joking. And, she, and my friend said, <laughs> uh, no, he's not. No, he's not. No, he's not. Yeah. I don't agree with him, but no, he's not. And the person, that other was guest. Was that your last date? When we were, I wasn't dating any of them. <laughs> but it would have been had had I been, I've right? Been thinking, whoa. Right? Exactly. Exactly. And that's, you know, I find that conservatives are far more tolerant of people having liberal views than liberals are of people having conservative views. Yet it's the liberals who claim falsely. To be the tolerant ones. Yeah, yes, it's always. nonsense, right? It's all a dog and pony It's like show. everybody's saying if you're from the South, you're racist. But if right. you're from the North, you believe in freedom. I'm going to tell you right now, I grew up in the North. Yeah, okay, I was raised in the North, outside of Chicago. Mm. Bottom line is this, it was as racist or maybe even more so, but it was hidden. Mm. It was just hidden. Mm-hmm. They, mm-hmm. They, they would say they weren't racist, but when they decided on who they were going to hire or not, interesting. he's not getting hired. Mm-hmm. Don't want mm-hmm. any blacks in this company. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't speak... Uh, really good English, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Mm-hmm. I heard it. I saw mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Knew it was happening. Mm-hmm. This is the way it is. Yeah. I mean, you go go up north. How many talk show hosts are black? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't name one. <laughs> be honest with you. Mm-hmm. As far as that goes, of course. Until I came down here, there hadn't been one in in Little Rock. Well, of course, we're talking previous generations. I, I frankly think that while I've said this all the time on your show, Dave. I think, of course, there are racists in yes. this country, but it's not a racist country. And uh, I think that uh, people generally, that's a, that's a broad but not overwhelming statement, generally are not evaluated uh, merely upon their race. I don't, I don't believe that these days people are um, preventing hiring or enrollment. In fact, in academia, of course, uh, affirmative action has worked in a fashion uh, as the Harvard case demonstrates, uh, notwithstanding the Obama judge's decision to permit the behavior, uh, that that Asians are being discriminated against. But they're being discriminated against so as to open, keep open spots for minorities and whites, as it turns out. And so it shows you that these programs that are by design uh, race-considering programs turn out to have sort of debilitating racist effects. And 
I think that Harvard case, to your audience, to, to remind them, Harvard had been letting in a fixed number of Asians or a fixed percentage, I should say, of Asians, even though as a group, Asians were doing much, much better on all of the metrics That's that we right. look at for admissions purposes, like the SATs, by example, right? And so you would think, well, if they're doing better, they should have a disproportionate representation, right? Like there's a disproportionate representation of tall people uh, on professional basketball teams. Well, what about the short people? I'll tell you what about the short people, Dave. They don't play basketball generally as well as tall people. So on occasion, there's a short guy who plays basketball well, but overwhelmingly, there are tall people. And Unless you're Spud Webb. Well, that's the exception to the rule, and yeah. that's the beauty. It shows that it's an exception to the rule. But since there's a greater distance between the hand of a short person and the basket, that that uh, tall people have an advantage. And Asians were doing much, much better on all of the incoming metrics, and yet they were not getting in at a greater rate. And so it was... I'm making up a number, but four times as hard to get into Harvard if you're Asian than, say, you're white, and 16 times harder if you're Asian than if you're black. And so this is discrimination wrapped up in a fancy title that was just approved by an Obama judge. And so when Chief Justice Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts says there's no such thing as an Obama judge versus a Bush judge versus a Trump judge, nonsense. Uh, hey, uh, Chief Justice Roberts, I live out here in the real world, not in your uh, ivory-covered uh, uh, dormitories there. And... I know how it works. And look, part of it is quite apparent. Judicial philosophy overlaps, not entirely, thank goodness, with political philosophy. So the notion that a liberal would have a different judicial philosophy than a conservative in and of itself is not surprising. And as conservatives have often said about President Trump, it may be the single best thing that he's done for the conservative movement is to put in a remarkable number of conservative judges and justices since his election. And so when liberals say, well, how do you tolerate Trump? I'll tell you how I tolerate Trump. I like him. That's the first way I tolerate him. So don't load your questions like Chef, uh, like uh, Chuck uh, Todd does, and all of and Jake Tapper by asking biased questions. Do you still beat your wife? Well, I never beat my wife. Well, right. So that's the problem here is that you can't get a fair shake. I hear I hear the music coming yeah. on, so I'll take a break. All right. So when we come back, I've got four tickets to go to the thirty third annual Friendly Chapel Fish Fry on Friday. October 18th, we'll talk about Chief Justice John Roberts. We brought his name up. We'll talk about him next hour, as well as Joe Biden's devastating fundraising haul in the last quarter. Three of the other candidates pulled in more money than he did, and he's not the number one candidate anymore. So maybe it's true. This whole Ukraine thing is worse for Biden than it is for anybody else. We'll talk about it when we come back.
Final hour here of the Dave Ellswick Show for a Monday. Been a good show today. A lot of discussion. Got to hear the president talk about what's going on with the thing that he's doing with Turkey and Syria. And I agree with him. Sooner or later, you got to pull the plug. I put mayo on my turkey and I put milk with my cereal. Oh, it's a different topic? I'm sorry. Yes. I, got, I got a little confused. It is. It's, it's a I, different I'm sorry, topic. Dave. My apologies. Right, so who is... Is the uh, Ukrainian story hurting more? Is it the president, mm-hmm. or it was was it and is it the Democratic front runner uh, right now and, or before, and, and that's Biden? Mm-hmm. Let's go over that a little real quick. Indeed. All right. So he's lost his clear lead mm-hmm. in the polls. Now Warren's ahead of him, and. Just a little bit ahead of him now, Sanders, although that was before he had his heart attack. Let me preface that. And to be that. fair, Dave, I think that Biden was slipping before the Ukrainian story. Do you think so? I, I think so, personally, okay. yeah. So Democratic strategists say the, demo, uh, the devastating number that he put up on campaign cash mm-hmm. is or a, a clear thereof. warning sign for Biden as he battles to be his party's 2020 standard bearer. It is so bad mm-hmm. that this weekend in New York City, he and his donors thus far, his big donors, I mean, right. we're not talking $20 guys, all right? right? We're talking people giving hundreds of thousands of dollars bundling and all kinds of stuff, met in New York to figure how to staunch the bleeding, and they're going to have some kind of a uh, big... Uh, a cash raise tomorrow uh, for Biden. Says here, uh, as I'm looking at this, Biden said, we haven't raised what a lot of people have. We got started way later than everybody else. Obvious. <coughs> um, we... Well, I didn't get... I that's didn't, a little BS there. Oh, was it a BS I cough? A, I, yeah. It was such a good cough, I didn't <laughs> make out the yeah. BS part. Uh, anyway, uh, this last quarter, in the middle of the summer, they only raised $15.2 million dollars. Now, that sounds like a lot of money to the average American. Uh, you know, as I'm talking to you, as you're driving home and you're driving a car that's probably five years old, you're saying 15.2 million. My car's 10 years old. Okay, yeah, so is mine. <laughs> uh, that, that's, that's a lot of money. Do you remember well, when people used to want to win a million-dollar lottery? Yeah. It's chump change, it I is guess. Now. I guess. Well, I Not get a kick me. out of people say, you buying the, uh, you buying a, you know, a, a Powerball tie? Oh, right. no, it's only worth 50 million. Right. You know, I'll wait till it gets up to a hundred million yeah. and then I'll look yeah. at, at it's amazing. I'm, I'm looking I'm like you couldn't live on fifty million dollars. I mean you take the taxes away, you're gonna walk away with an easy twenty five. That's right. Come on. Anyway. Perhaps more telling is the fact that it's uh, far behind. Yeah, I, I can't say what do you think because you already know. I told mm-hmm. you this. Right. Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont. Raised the most money during the summer, $25.3 million. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Warren raised $24.6 million. Right. And you go, well, you know, they're two of the big leaders, Front so they should, sure, you know. Sure. Well, the South Bend mayor, however Buttigieg. he pronounced his name. Buttigieg. <laughs> Buttigieg. I help you out there, Dave. Raised, he raised $19.1 million. He outgrows Biden by $4 million. Mm-hmm. 
This is a devastating number for Joe Biden, said a Democratic strategist who asked for, uh, you know, don't tell everybody who I am, in order to speak more freely. Think about this. The kickoff primaries and the caucuses are just four months away. So as, I, as this guy says, by right now you should be gaining momentum, not losing momentum. Another Democratic consultant who also asked to remain anonymous warned that Biden's fundraising figures, quote, should raise some serious questions about whether Joe Biden has the chops, the chops, parlay that into, does the dude have what it takes uh, to raise the money necessary to compete in a general election and whether he can excite the Democratic base that is giving... uh, an enormous number of small-dollar contributions to other candidates. But let me tell you what, is all the money that they're getting, all these other candidates, doesn't even close, come close to matching up with what Trump's getting. Yes, and, I, and that's helpful. But, of course, be cautious because the big money raiser early on in the Republican primary was um, Jeb Bush because he had all the Bush money, all the Bush donors and he turned out to be largely, well, uh, we saw what happened. He turned out to lose and to lose relatively early, I thought. So he was not a front runner because he couldn't sell it. And he, he wasn't a great candidate. It's that simple. And as I've mentioned many times to you, Dave, another problem that he had in my mind, and I know there are many, many Americans that agreed with this, is enough with the dynasties. We're, we're, well, yeah. Right. No, I didn't want another Bush in no, the White House. No, 335 million. I think it's roughly, frankly, 350 million people in this country. And we, we've we got to have three presidents in a lifetime who come from the same family. No, we don't. Yeah. No, we don't. Jeb, your problem was whether you like it or not, exactly. you are, as President Trump said, sleepy Jeb. Well, you are boring. But in addition to that, he could have been the most exciting character in the world. He wasn't, but he could have been. And guess what? Uh, there, there are another couple of hundred million families out there from whom we could choose well, a president. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. But no, he wasn't a great candidate as a standalone candidate. That's why his brother eclipsed him. Not that, not that right. uh, you know, you know, Bush the, the younger. Right. Was, uh, you know, any smarter than when Jeb was. Jeb had a lot going for him for a long time down there in in Florida. Jeb's a bright guy. There's no question about that. But no, we just didn't need another. And that's the same way I feel. You know what really killed him? What? Immigration. Yeah. Yeah. He was on the wrong side. Yeah. He was way on the wrong side on that. No doubt about it. All right. So anyway, you sent me an article. Did I? From the New York Times. Seems so un- and you know, it, it seems so you, unlike me to say I just article thought or to reference it, it, it came Times. to me from since it came from Robert, who of course is works over at UALR at Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone. Thank you. But he sends these articles to me from the New York Times, knowing only with his name attached to it will I even open it. Well, I know that. I, I sent Dave one of these left-leaning screeds from the liberals in the New York Times. Oh, this guy and is Dave, unbelievable. If you're watching on Facebook, before I started sending Dave these articles, he had a full head of hair. <laughs> he had an absolutely yeah, full head of hair. Yeah, I snatched it all away by all now. All of it's gone because of these articles. Let me tell you, Aaron Belkin, who wrote this, is director of Take Back the Court. So that should... <laughs> 
This yeah. should tell you just something. Just a little clue on where yeah. it's coming from. It's an, it's an opinion piece, and a, a like prof- most of their articles, professor, mind you. Yes. <laughs> professor of political science at San, Fran- uh, San Francisco State University, oh, uh, a bastion of, of, conservative, of conservative thought. thought. That's right. And then Sean McElwee is director of research and polling at Take Back the Court and co-founder of Data for Progress. Oh, my gosh. I'm, co- I'm co-founding co-founder of Data for Stopping the BS. How's that? That's a new organization. I just started it this minute in my head. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's read a little bit of this. Let's hear it. The Supreme Court's new term that begins today could prove momentous with cases involving gun control. Right. Abortion. Right. LGBT. Can, can you get away with just the four letters? You know what I said? You remember if, several weeks ago on your show, I'm, here's my new phrase for that. It, it's not an insult. It's, just, it's, too, it's ridiculous with the alphabet. Uh, gay and trans. That's what I say. Gay and trans. <laughs> it kind of covers it I all. I think it covers it all. And, all right. Well, it doesn't cover me because you know, I've got blue hair and one leg. and You know what? It's enough. It's enough. LGBT rights. Gay and trans. And immigration. It hit all, then, yeah. all the lefty That's right. uh, places. The term is likely to signal how far the country's uh, court's conservative majority will go to block the agenda of the next Democratic president and Congress. Man, that's going to be a long way from now. Mm-hmm. By then, the court may be much more conservative. I'm just, I'm just telling you. I really hope that we can get one more conservative on that court. Yep. Yeah, a real... You know, let's get Amy in there. That's what I, I want. Amy from from uh, South Bend. I don't want Buttigieg. I want Amy from South Bend. Uh, she's at Notre Dame. She be mm-hmm. the real addition. But the court plenty. on the pre- uh, precipice of a dangerous lurch rightward. Uh, polling data indicates that that Democrats have a positive view of Chief Justice John Roberts. Well, why not? He saved Obamacare. No, wait for it, Dave. Here it comes. Who has going to ex- tell you how evil expressed regard is. for precedent and concern for the court's legitimacy, encouraging a view that he will step in to prevent partisan excess, as if there's never been any leftist partisan ex- excess. Yet history suggests that Democrats have much. To fear. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Uh, the um, chief justice from is, inside the house. <laughs> the chief justice is neither a spring a swing vote among his four liberal and four cons- conservative justices, nor a moderate. Expect him to land time and again with the conservatives. Wait, wait. A guy Except who, when he doesn't. <laughs> right. And he's not so conservative. But here's the surprising, insightful commentary from these two left-wingers. Chief Justice Roberts, who was appointed by a Republican, more likely is going to vote conservatively than not. Wow. That's what, that's what makes academia proud, insights like that. All right. Their analysis, of course, they don't share that with us, But their analysis shows that the chief justice's voting record is as conservative as those of his most extreme current and former colleagues, Justices Thomas, Alito, Kavanaugh, and Scalia. You know, here's the brilliant thing about that. I wish that were true. I wish it were true. He's... Certainly right of center, but I, he's certainly not as conservative as the not most conservative. Not as many of the ones he but, just named. And there's a whole bunch of legitimate measures of those things that have demonstrated that. So that's just untrue. 
in all 42 split decision cases that the Chief Justice has presided over involving racial minorities, immigrants, workers, and abortion, he voted for conservative outcomes 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was the other conservative issue cases that he didn't yeah. so right yeah right you can carve down the list and say that. these are the cases in which he agreed with his conservative colleagues good i wish there were more yeah i just i as i read this i had to laugh i said i knew why you sent it to yeah. me because you knew what i would do i knew it would get you all riled up and so it says that the thousand cut strategy can be seen most clearly in the past generation of reproductive rights decisions whose cumulative effect has been to restrict abortion in most states, although Roe v. Wade, this is the most outrageous statement of all, although Roe v. Wade is effectively dead oh my goodness, in much of the true. country, few Americans could name the rulings that have undermined it. Well, that's just That nonsense. may be true. I mean, no. most people couldn't even name Roe v. Wade until just within the last decade. Right. There have been cases that actually depending on how you look at it, has weakened it and have strengthened it because it changed the test. Now the test is whether there's a, this is not exactly the right locution, but a, a significant intrusion on a woman's right, these is the terminology of the court, not mine, uh, uh, right to have an abortion. And if it significantly impacts a woman's right to an abortion, then it violates the Constitution, says the court, not me, says... Um, in fact, Kennedy wrote that opinion, right? As we know, he was the swing vote on a lot of those issues. So the the notion that Roe versus Wade and its progeny, because that's how precedent kind of works, uh, is dead is just silly. But the only way the left can win is by ginning up uh, hysteria. And what's interesting about these folks is they quite literally want to pack the court. And for those folks that may not have their ear to the pulse of the operations of the court. There are nine justices, as you likely know, on the Supreme Court, but that's not a function of the Constitution. You can change that by law, just write a new law. Uh, and it was once seven justices, I think. And once it was an even number, I think, in fact. And so, and of course, m many people know the history where. Uh, FDR threatened to increase the number in the court so that he could put a bunch of liberals on. Yeah, he was going to load the court up. Right, exactly. Republicans so, stopped him. Right, and so that's the same thing here. Well, and the story is, but it's disputed, that the Supreme Court switched. There was a switch in time saved nine, is the famous saying. It's a little hackneyed, frankly, but nonetheless, that the Supreme Court started to rule in his favor, and so he backed off on trying to pack the court. If that's true, of course, it's devastating to the legitimacy of the court. And there is a significant amount of support for that claim, but there are some histori historians who now claim otherwise. So I don't know what the truth is, but it, it, it is really unfortunate when you see these folks who, of course, all along would want to pack or to, to have their liberal appointees put on the Supreme Court and they wouldn't want to change the balance once they got a majority of liberals. But if there's a majority of conservatives, their reaction is, well, we got to do something about that. Conservatives can't win. Think, stroke, and page. What are we going to do? Oh, we'll have an insurance policy, which means we're going to start impeachment proceedings. 
uh, or the Russian investigation or whatever other collateral attack they could do against the president. And the same philosophy applies to too many leftists when it comes to the Supreme Court. Their philosophy is, well, if we have conservative judges on there and they have lifetime appointments, well, we'll have to change a number of judges because we don't like the outcome. And gosh knows, no Republican would try to do that to us after they got in power, would they? It's that short-sightedness. By the way, they got burned. They got burned, and that's one of the reasons that we got the two current Republican appointees to the Supreme Court is for lower courts, they changed the system. They did away with the um, – uh, what is it when you need uh, two th- uh, 60 votes? They, yeah. uh, I forget the, the term. They did away with the rule that you need 60 cloture. You need 60 votes to uh, to close a debate and a filibuster as well uh, for lower court justices. And then they said, oh, no, but it still applies to the Supreme Court when Trump won. And then Mitch McConnell says, not in a few minutes it won't. Because <laughs> <laughs> we make the rules well, of this we, house. And, and Mitch was – Never going to do that if the Democrats hadn't done it for the lower uh, court vacancies, but they did it when they had the control. So Mitch said, well, guess what? You open the door. Sorry, too late. So if you want to complain, you need to go drag out the guy uh, in uh, Vegas. Yeah, exactly. What was his name again? I can't think of Yeah, the sleepy guy. I tried to forget him. Right. Uh, Harry Reid, Sleepy Harry Reid. He had a hard time wrestling his own workout equipment. His elastic band stuck to his doorway. (laughs) Yeah. It is really a, it's unfortunate. He did actually, he, he I think really he blinded hurt himself. himself. Yeah, he you know? hurt himself bad. So, All right, quick right. break here. In fact, he's told them to let go of this impeachment stuff. Is that right? Yeah, because wow. he says it's go, you're going to lose the election. Wow, because I of didn't it. hear that. 33rd Annual Friendly Chapel Fish Fry comes up on Friday, October 8th. If you've been around for any length of time, you know what I'm talking about. It goes from 4.30 to 7.30. All the proceeds benefit Brother Paul's. Soup Kitchen and Shelter, if you want tickets, because not everybody who's going to call in here in just a second can win them, uh, you can call 501-371-0912 and uh, buy your tickets by just calling that easy number. Individual tickets are 15 bucks. Children's tickets, 5 to 12 years old, are only $6 each. And I'm telling you, eat as much as you can hold. There have been legitimate concerns as people are walking out that they're going to explode. <laughs> Just boom, right there. There have not been front legitimate of concerns but it's never that people happened. are going to explode. It hasn't happened. <laughs> I got four tickets to the second caller. Can I call him? No. Oh. 823-0965. 823-0965. Second caller, I'll give you four tickets. Take you and your family or uh, your three mistresses to have dinner. All right, congratulations, Paul Shoemaker from Boxite. You are the winner of those four tickets. Hope you enjoy yourself, Paul. Paul's a loyal listener for many, many years, and we appreciate him for sure. All right, I got one more line out of this story that I'd Mm -hmm. like you to talk a Mm -hmm. little bit about. Happy to. As a master tactician, Mm -hmm. Chief Justice Roberts occasionally delivers narrow, Partial wins to progressives when a overtly partisan ruling might undermine the court's legitimacy. As though the left has never done this stuff. This is what's so amazing about this article. Well, it's also they so overread these things, right? How about the Warren Court? Can I say Warren Court? You want to talk about the left? The Warren Court. Anyway, go ahead. 
Well, they, they so overread these things. What chief justices in general do when they try to kind of herd the cats is they believe with some reason that an opinion signed off with more than just the bare minimum number of justices garners greater legitimacy because people see it as not just a flip of a coin in terms of the outcome. Of course, the way you do that is by not writing such a broad ruling because if you have people on the fence, they can agree. If there are fewer things that they have to agree to, you're going to get more people to agree. So that's all it is. By the way, whether or not that's the desire of the chief justice doesn't matter because he still has to get each of the justices to agree. Meaning if a justice wants to write a broad ruling, no, I don't like your uh, narrow uh, ruling, Mr. Chief Justice, says another justice. I'm going to write my own opinion. The chief justice cannot compel anybody to sign on to any opinion. That's the whole point. These are nine independent actors. So he's got to go into them and say, look, you might want to write a broad ruling, but I I value the fact that we can get six or seven or eight, maybe even all nine votes if we write a more narrow ruling. The justice to whom he's speaking has to share in that desire. That's right. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. And by the way, the chief justice is not the boss of the other justices, doesn't determine whether they get pay raises or promotions, neither of which happen, by the way. So it's all fixed. They have that job literally for life. And what is it that they're to do? Are they basically to be the guy that helps decide which cases the court goes for? Although I think that goes up. you got to have like three justices, right? No, the only power that the chief justice has is to assign who writes the opinion of the majority. That's it, huh? That's it. And let me be clear about that. You say, oh, well, you see, that guy gets to decide how the case comes out. No, because if I'm – so let's say it's a um, voting rights and the conservatives say these uh, – let's talk about – IDs, right? Mandatory IDs. And the conservatives say it's not against the Constitution to require mandatory IDs. And let's say there's five votes for that, and the four liberals say, oh, it's against the Constitution to require mandatory IDs. Put aside, by the way, Dave, that there's nothing explicitly in the Constitution about voting rights, albeit I believe that's a constitutional notion, and there is explicitly in the Constitution Second Amendment rights, and they want guns, the left wants guns licensed, but no license uh, identification to vote. So put, put aside that remarkable hypocrisy. So the chief justice says, okay, we're in the majority. We're going to write the the opinion that says, because they sit down and they decide what the, the outcome before they decide the details. We're going to say that it is constitutional to, if Arkansas wants to require an ID to go vote, for, for Arkansas to do that. So then the chief justice says, I'm going to write that opinion. So the other four conservatives don't have a say in it. So, you know, like they just acknowledge that fact. And then he writes his very narrow opinion. Maybe he's trying to get one of the liberals on board. And one of the other four original conservatives who said he was voting, he or she, I guess he, was voting with the majority, says, well, that's too narrow of an opinion for me. Uh, So I'm going to write my own. It's called a concurrence, meaning I agree in the outcome, but the reasoning will differ. 
So he has no control other than to assign who gets the first crack at the majority opinion if the conservatives are in the majority uh, or who writes the minority opinion if they're in the minority. And thereafter, anybody else as part of that, say, majority can break away whenever they want if they don't like how one of the authors is drafting that uh, majority opinion. So it's, it's remarkably little authority. In the end. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, and it's not supposed to be some great authority. So I think it's kind of interesting that historically you talk about courts by the chief justice's name, and he really has nothing to do with it. Well, you know, that's not only a a terrific observation on your part, Dave. I'll go even further. One of the things, one of the characterizations of the court over the last let's say 20, 30 years, however long Kennedy was on it, was they call it in some sometimes the Kennedy court. Well, of course, Kennedy has never been the chief justice. So why would you call it the Kennedy well, he court? he was the big swing vote. He was a swing vote. So another way to characterize it is to characterize it by the person who acts as a swing vote. So you can call it whatever you want, right? There's nothing wrong with calling it the Roberts court in the sense that you're picking the name of the guy who's nominally the head, quite literally nominally the head, but it's not any significant great authority. And one thing is perfectly clear. Kennedy had a lot more power on the court than the chief justices during that time. There's no dispute. In fact, he could leverage that middle of the road position, that swing vote position to force other conservatives and or liberals slightly differently because you say, listen, if you narrow your opinion or if you broaden your opinion or if you write your opinion this way, I will sign on. And since I'm a swing vote, you never know which way I'm going to go. Yeah. And that's the truth about Kennedy. Absolutely. And that's why the, the position has virtually no power. One's position on issues can have power if you're a swing vote because you can leverage that power by trading with other members of the court on how to write an opinion. I doubt they've ever traded other opinions. I don't know, but I certainly am confident they they have traded on how broad or narrow an opinion should be written. And so that just shows you, look, there there was a sense within the minds of both conservatives and liberals alike, what a constitution, what the constitution says, but then they know there's enough indeterminacy in the law that they can shape it uh, for political reasons, including whether or not they can garner a a majority, excuse me, uh, on the court. All right. We're going to take a break. So now you understand about chief. I didn't know that about chief justice. I thought that they, the chief justice had much more to say behind the scenes than what we're being told today by, uh, you know, Mr. Steinbach. Yeah. And he knows. Well, sometimes. He's been in D.C. He knows how these games are played. For a minute. So why so did, does the chief justice get more money? He does get a little bit more money, like $5,000 more or something like that. Some small mm-hmm. amount. For their, their wine that they sip <laughs> for their wine collection yeah, for the Chardonnay. Let's take a break here. We'll come back. By the way, if you're a baseball fan, Tampa Bay beat Houston today, ten to three. Right now, 
Cardinals in the battle of their lives. It's 4-4. Molina got a base hit last inning and scored Goldsmith from second, but they brought in uh, Martinez, who is Zach's favorite relief pitcher, and Acuna came up in first pitch. Acuna Matata? Yeah, no. Lined the double off the wall. Almost hit it out of the ballpark. Lined it. So you got a man on second and one or two outs now, and a man on second. Just so you know, top of the ninth, four four Cardinals and the Braves up in Bush. Minutes, eleven minutes. All right. So the Supreme Court getting underway this uh, for this session today. So what's coming up that they're going to be taking on? Let's, let's guns. Go. Guns, Gays, yes. Immigration, yes. And uh, DACA. Uh, well, that's immigration. Oh, that's immigration. Guns, gays, immigration. There was a fourth. Abortion. That's it. Abortion. Separation of church and state. I presidential did. power. Presidential was, power. I, heard, I didn't. What's the separation of church and state one? I'm, I'm, oh yes. One about the it's, sex. Right. It's that a, I'm going to talk about on Wednesday. Yeah, it's about the schools. Uh, right. The uh, the religious schools supporting yeah. the religious schools. Yeah, that's right. It says, uh, President Trump had something like that in mind. Uh, headed to the court of cases testing the power of Congress to get information from the executive branch and elsewhere, information that is relevant to congressional oversight and potentially to impeachment. Now, by the way, this article was written, if you were with us in the second hour today, uh, NPR was held up as the lighthouse of truth, justice, and the American way. Yeah, the Superman of media. Yes. Could uh, fly over the tallest buildings. Clearly, says NPR, President Trump had something like that in mind when he said of the current impeachment inquiry, quote, it shouldn't be allowed. There should be a way of stopping it, maybe legally through the courts. What? Court. Stopping what? Uh, anything. Oh, okay. You know, they said that stripping Congress of some of their power. Mm. And if that isn't enough, pending before the court is a sleeper case testing the very structure of our presidential election system. The Supreme Court, by tradition, has tried to stay out of, out of big controversies in an election year, but the justices, even if reticent, don't always have control over their docket. Uh, when the lower courts are divided on major questions, the justices cannot always escape their responsibility to be the final decider. Here are the themes to watch, says NPR. Some justices are itching to play their conservative cards. The Supreme Court is a very different place since the 2018 retirement of Justice Anthony Kennedy, a centrist conservative. I would say not even a centrist conservative, a libertarian, I would have said, who often casts the deciding vote in closely contested cases. With President Trump's appointment of Justice Brett Kavanaugh to replace him, hardcore conservatives now have a firm majority on the court. How do they That's know that? That's just not even true, though, by the way. And how do they know that? Well, of course, they don't know that. And part of it was what we were discussing earlier, that Roberts, on occasion, has voted with with the uh, Democrats, with the liberals. So it's Obamacare? Just, right. Anybody care to talk about that? Right. Yeah. So it's just, it's just not a true statement. Yeah, SCOTUS. Don't get me wrong. I'd like it to be true. Yeah, me too. Scott, uh, SCOTUS, SCOTUS blog uh, publisher Tom Goldstein calls the chief justice, quote, a solid conservative vote. 
the disagreement among the five justices on the right of the court, he adds, has been, how fast do we move? Is the right to abortion going to be struck down? First place that disagreement could become apparent is on abortion in a case that asked the court to essentially reverse a 2016 decision that struck down a Texas law, making it very difficult for clinics that perform abortions to exist. And now the Supreme Court has agreed to hear arguments in a case that presents a nearly identical law from uh, Louisiana. Goldstein, who frequently argues cases before the court, expects the conservative court majority to eventually reverse Roe v. Wade outright or to hollow it out. It's coming, he says, but nobody knows whether it's in one year, five years, or maybe ten. Yeah, I think that's an overstatement. Yeah, I... I mean, that's no statement. Right. It might be 10 years from now. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. No, but I think, it, well, he also does give the alternative. I, he says, they'll either reverse it or hollow it out. Those are actually virtual opposites, right? They're going to weaken it because the foundation of the Roe case is technology. By the way, Roe has, uh, the, the standard under Roe has changed, but the original standard under Roe was that a life could not exist uh, a baby could not survive if born, say, in the first trimester and maybe so in the second trimester. And medical technology has changed. So the underlying basis for Roe has already been undermined. So to say that it has, it's either going to be overturned or gutted is not much of a statement. The new standard is whether this right created by the court, identified by the court, however, whichever side you come out on, um, is significantly infringed upon by a state's legislation. And that is not going to sort of dramatically change in short order via the court. That's my prediction. All right. This final one? Yeah. It's a pretty good one. Faithless electors. Mm -hmm. The Electoral College in the 2020 election. Uh, We know that the Democrats want to do away with the Electoral College. Right pushing it for the last uh, about eight years. Pending before the court is a case that could involve the 2020 election. It is a test of faithless elector, unquote, laws. These are laws passed in many states that impose penalties on electoral college delegates or sometimes provide for the removal of electors who refuse to vote for the presidential candidate of their designated party. The question is, are these laws constitutional? The Supreme Court has never before weighed in on the issue. There have been uh, 167 faithless electors in the history of the United States, and in no case has the outcome of an election turned on the vote of these electors. But there is no guarantee that wouldn't happen in 2020. Yeah, and the Democrats would like to secrete agents in as electors for Trump who would then flip if Trump won the popular vote in any given state. And so yet another attempt to violate the American rules uh, so as to bring about their outcome, much like as we talked about during the show already, how Stroke and Page were building an insurance policy to get Trump out how the Russia investigation was a sham 
Well, let me be clear about that. The investigation wasn't a sham. The claim that Trump colluded with the Russians was disproven. Yes, there was by no the Mueller report. Conclusion. Right. The conclusion. No conclusion. Uh, no collusion. Collusion. That the conclusion of the Mueller report was there was no collusion, and yet you still hear some lefties saying, "Oh, well, he colluded." Well, may not have been colluded, mm. but it, he did it, obstruct it. Mm. How do you obstruct something that you're not guilty of? Well, and there's there's a line of thought that says you can do that. To be clear, which I, I think is stupid. I don't but like that's it, right. and I've never liked it, and and I didn't like it when uh, what was the name of uh, uh, Stewart. Martha Stewart mm-hmm. was convicted for that as well. Again, I don't find it attractive. Uh, I don't find it laudable, but I don't find it illegal because criminal law should be limited to actual and real, if that's different, perhaps, uh, wrongdoing, not maybe wrongdoing, or what would have been wrongdoing if there was something underlying. So that's kind of silly. Last thing. Yes, Last sir. thing we got. Just a few yep. moments. I know it. Former Vice President Joseph Biden and oh, his son Hunter could be forced yeah. to testify if the Senate ends up holding an impeachment trial. Come on, let me man. Just, let me just ask this, all right? Let me ask. He would have to be there. Warren would have to be there. She's a senator, right? That's, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sanders would have to be there. Yeah. Harris would have to be there. Do you think they all want to leave the campaign trail to vote on an impeachment? I don't think so. I don't know. It's a good question. I'm just sure. saying. Yeah. I If I'm them, I'm calling up Nancy Pelosi. Hell, Nancy, stop it. Right. I don't have time for this. Right. Oh, I think they'll fly in to vote to impeach or to But they have to sit in. They'd no, have they to be there the whole no, time. Oh, yeah, they would. If they oh, weren't, they don't have they'd, to do anything the they media to eat them alive about Don't you that. know these elected officials? They do whatever they want. <laughs> That's oh, democracy this, for you, baby. I, I told you, this is like one of those old pictures of somebody smoking an explosive cigar. Right, right. That's the way the Democrats are going to look when it goes... Pow! It's like wild and all coyote. black around right, their yeah. face. That's what it's going to look like. They're running. They're running towards the rock face that the uh, roadrunner painted yeah. the tunnel on, <laughs> and they smack right into it. This, do you remember when you were a kid? You used to buy those little pellets that you could stick in the end of your of your friend's cigarettes. I don't remember this, but I remember and, you talking and, and about them. And they would them, pop. Yeah. They would pop. Right. <laughs> mm. I see this happening to the Democrats. This, yeah. I'm enjoying this, Rob. Oh, as you should. I am enjoying as some of should. this. I really am. All right, tomorrow, Power Panel will be here. I think Jan's going to be here along with R.D. and uh, Paul, and uh, we'll take up the issues of the day. Uh, gun owners of America may stop by in the studio as well. And then the Bible guys in the final uh, final hour, don't forget you can email them at DaveNabibleGuys at SalemLR.com. BibleGuysSalemLR.com. Thanks for coming in, Robert. My pleasure. This has God been bless. a great discussion today. I enjoyed it very much. A lot, of, really stuff. Yeah, a lot you, of stuff. Yeah, lot When we get into the courts, you love that oh, stuff. Oh, yes. Oh, that's oh, why that's I like I having you here. You I eat it up. It. And remember, his opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the School of Law or UALR. That's right. Thank did you. I cover you today? It did, no, it's good. Thank you. I okay, it. we'll take a break. I'll see you tomorrow at 2 o'clock. God bless.
General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.